0: Welcome to Hooplecast, I'm your host, Matt, and joining me are my newbie co-hosts... Carol! Matt! Mel! And we're a bunch of Hoopleheads. Yep. <laughs> yep, that's what we are. <laughs> and we have a guest with us today, please welcome back to the podcast, Jonathan. Jonathan. So, did you welcome. just say, Matt,
1: that you Hooplehead? Say that again? Did you just admit to your own Hoopleheadedness?
0: Oh yeah, I'm a, a full-on Hooplehead, pretty much Yay. all the time. Yay. Yay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no vanity here there's no ego I'm a hoople head I make mistakes <clears throat> what
2: about you Jonathan are you a hoople head?
3: oh very much so and this episode really made me feel like one for the, <laughs> at least the first two watches
1: yeah. I there were times in this episode where I really was going huh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah but show of hands did you like it better than the last one? yes yeah I did
1: yes I'm raising my hand
0: Yes, okay. Well, good. I mean, it it still has its problems, and we know what those are. <laughs> There's a certain plot line that is very yeah. confusing. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah.
1: I wonder if we all have the same plot line that we found confusing. I found a few of them confusing, I'll be honest. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I only found one of them confusing that I can think of, but that one I found very <laughs> <laughs> confusing. were. So.
3: Sure. Yeah, there was one that I, I I still don't know that I understand what was going on.
0: Well, I hope you guys have the f- time to watch at least the finale twice. Okay. That would be great, because okay. I mean, we're we're winding down here. So, it'd be good if uh, I mean, obviously, if you are confused, that's important, and we need to talk about that. But I do find that watching the episodes more than once provides clarity.
1: It does help. Yeah, I mean, I have no problem. I'm kind of tempted to I mean I haven't done any commentaries or anything. I was kinda tempted to do a commentary on the last one and then watch it a second time. Well,
0: you are certainly welcome to. I'll put it in the feed.
1: Okay. Or I'll just do it for myself. If nobody wants to listen. <laughs> You're just it's gonna okay.
0: be just talking to yourself. <laughs>
1: I'll just be talking to myself. <laughs> well I get very I get very into stuff. You know, I mean it's like no, Al, what are you doing? You know, so
0: I do want Matt and Mel to do a commentary for the next episode. Alright. Yeah. Is and that, that op- the
3: second to last
0: episode? That is the penultimate episode, yes. So. Every time
3: every time there's a commentary in my feed, I think to myself as I start it, I don't necessarily have to listen to this. I might not listen to this whole thing, and then about three quarters of the way through I'm like, well I guess I might as well finish it now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well that's good. <laughs> And for an extra bit of fun, everyone should join the Facebook group because I'm going to start a, a fun little game on the group soon. It's a supporting character bracket game where we're going to be voting for the uh, for our favorite supporting characters. That is a character that does not have their actor counterpart in the main title sequence.
1: How am I going to remember all these supporting
0: characters? I'm going to put photos and little blurbs about who Yay! they were. Great! So I can't wait for all the theater people to receive zero votes. <laughs> So please join the Facebook group because that's going to get started soon. You want to get your vote? Want to get your vote in? All right. There's like 80 characters. I'm trying to whittle them Holy down, but I don't shit. think that's going to happen.
2: Holy shit!
1: We're still. We have two episodes left. We're still waiting for that Twin Peaks character. <laughs>
3: <That's>...
2: Still. <laughs> what the fuck?
1: It's <laughs> lies. It's been it's lies. Lying. This whole time. He's yeah. been lying. Yeah. Lies. Yeah. Lies. I it must know. be next episode if he wants us to do a commentary.
3: Oh, yeah. It has to be. We thought that before.
1: It has to be this
3: time.
0: (laughs) All right. Let's uh, do our Reader's Theater. Uh, I've got one from Nutty. Nutty Nuchas.
1: Yay,
4: Nutty. I'm going to play it now. The following news items appeared in the Black Hills Daily Times. July 25th, 1877, April 12th, 1878, and December 16th, 1878. A lovely shower this morning. The Gem Theater is now run by Sheriff Bullock. (laughs) What? <laughs> with beautiful displays while crossing our muddy ways. The heat is so sweltering that it brings the humor to the surface. After the shower, t'was shocking to see the smallest mite of stocking. We had a beautiful trash mover last evening. The streets are cleaner. The atmosphere is cool and healthful this morning after the rain of the night. Who will come to the front of the subject of self-preservation from the Indian raids. An owl flew into the reading room. <laughs> Ed Dolan, who returned from (laughs) Potato Gulch yesterday, says that it is the queen camp of the hills for pretty women. The Pioneer's heroine of the hills is now Frenchie's partner. The Black Hills Herald says honest men are becoming exceedingly damn scarce. And now they are trying to introduce the Moffat Bell Punch in Denver. It would be a good idea to introduce such a thing here. But then we know some of us who owe us on subscription that could not possibly get drunk unless they had paid better than they do us. A Mrs. Clark had her pocket picked of $50 in a Baptist church at Omaha on Tuesday's last. This is another argument against going to church. (laughs) <laughs> a prominent attorney, after speaking of the Emma Mine suit now going on in the district court and other mining litigations and troubles in the hills, remarked this morning that it would be much better for this country and everyone in it if they would just raise less hell and more courts. Jacob Killian, somewhat known in the hills, who killed Jed Lake, the first husband of Madame Lake of Cheyenne, was killed on the first of the month by a merchant in southwestern Missouri whom he tried to murder. It was kind of an April Fool for Jacob. Snow fell during the last storm in Potato Gulch to the depth of three feet, putting an embargo on mining operation there for the present. Over $2,000 a year is the value of the suds of a Bonanza miner's wash. The dirt washed from their shirts has been found to assay $259.10 the ton. What a field for a Nevada washerwoman. If you want to find Tom, Dick, Harry, or any other fella after 11 o'clock p.m., go to the Bella Union. If he's in town, you'll find him there. We skipped out last night and took it in. The place was crowded. The boys were all there. Mr. H. says the Indians, numbering some 300 lodges, have moved from Cypress Mountains and are now encamped some 20 miles north of Major Walsh's headquarters. Major Walsh has not a little difficulty in persuading the Indians not to molest the party whom they mistook for United States troops coming to take their ponies and guns. He says it is a mistaken idea that Sitting Bull is the chief, that he is only the commonest soldier except in battle. And that Black Moon is the head chief, the different tribes being represented by long dog, gull, and gut. The tribes that are with that Black Moon are the Uncappapappas, Ogalalalas, Tecton, and a few Yanktonas, Simeons, Santis, Mancajus, and several Nez Persis, who Mr. H. says cannot stand near straight like other Indians, and seem deeply grieved at the report that they have heard of Chief Joseph's death. Longdog, who seems to be the Black Hawk of the camp, rises into eloquence when speaking of their wrongs, and in a long harangue for the benefit of Howard's party, he said, I hate white men, and the Indian who says he don't lies. We hate them all, and if the great father will not let us hunt in his lands, we will kill all of his soldiers. And those Indian word names were really hard and I couldn't find pronunciation guides and I'm sure I mispronounced them.
2: <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> no,
1: is, no, it's like. <laughs> the a the nez percy's is it's a, it's a French French it's ne oh. percy and it's it literally means pierced nose.
0: I like it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh we have the Tetons as opposed to the Yanktoni. Mm-hmm.
3: Is the is the glasses that have a similar name the, the pince nez Is that pinch nose? Like, it's
1: like pinch nose. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Wow, a lot of lot of des- descriptions of noses. What
3: <laughs> very important feature on your face? There yes. are other there are
0: other body parts to pierce, you know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, well, first- if you do it,
3: the French will describe it. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: they usually do. <laughs> that very first. uh, little clip of news was just really it's all those little brevities I, I always love them. They're just like so random.
0: Yeah. Can't believe this is news. An owl flew into the reading room.
1: I know. And is fuck. I guess it would be like local gossip. Hey, did you hear about that owl that flew into
2: the reading room?
1: Which was, is kind of you know, whoa, what? Let's, let's put
3: that in print.
1: Yeah. Maybe that's that's the character from Twin Peaks you were talking about all yeah, it was along.
2: Buff. It was buff.
1: What is this going to happen in the next couple episodes? <laughs> also, I didn't realize that Sheriff Bullock ran the Gem Theater. Did we talk about this before and I just forgot about it?
0: I don't know what that means. I don't know if that was a temporary thing or or what What does that so mean?
1: Like Al was like indisposed and Sheriff Bullock was like, hey,
0: I'm going to run this for a week. Maybe Al had dick problems again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a story I'd like to read the whole article about. Yeah. yeah. Very strange. <laughs> Anyways. We'll Anyways. <laughs> Thank you for reading that Nutty. Thank you. Make sure to find Nutty on the Nutty Bites podcast. <laughs> This is episode 34, A Constant Throb. Written by W. Earl Brown, directed by Mark Tinker. Original air date, August 13th, 2006.
5: Did he
1: ever write episodes before?
0: No, this is his first writing credit for the show. I okay. do believe he has other, other screenwriting credits.
1: Cool. I didn't know he was a writer.
0: He did a good job. Yeah. Didn't find a lot of trivia for this episode, so I did go on to Alan Suppenwall's blog and find W. Earl Brown's comments. If you're on the Facebook group, again, you should be. Ina usually posts these comments for each episode after we publish them, so I'm going to scoop her here just because I I need some trivia for this one.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: W. Earl Brown writes, While I am extremely proud of my episode, I certainly cannot take sole credit for it. I've been complimented on that beautiful last scene with Joni and Jane. I did not write a single word of it, nor <laughs> did I conceive it. That credit goes to Regina Carrado. Likewise, the scene with Khan and Claudia, from which I lifted the episode's title, I don't know who wrote that scene, but it wasn't me. What I did write, initially at least, were all the scenes inside the gem. And while they were few and far between, there are a few actual lines I wrote which survived as first written. <laughs> as for the ones rewritten, they are each and every one the better for it.
1: So he wrote the episode and got the credit for it, but they everybody like rewrote stuff, and he took parts from mm-hmm.
0: other. No, no, no. David Milch rewrote everything. <laughs> okay,
1: okay, okay. All right, I see. And then, from what I can understand, that's not all that uncommon with no um, a lot of different shows and showrunners. Yeah. It's kind of the showrunner's job is the person writes the episode, and then the showrunner makes it into what they want. What, what they want it to be, yeah. So that the show has a consistent tone. Yeah,
0: right. I think more so in this case, though. <laughs> but at least that's very likely. Yeah, but at least Milch gives writing credit. Like he spreads the credit around.
2: That's awesome. Uh-huh.
0: It's not like every episode says yeah. um, "story by W. Earl Brown, written by David Milch, teleplay right. by David Milch." Like he yeah. lets everyone yeah. get their writing credit, even if he does like a lot of rewriting, which I think yeah. is a, is a good thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree.
0: At the Bella Union, Doc scolds Psy for abrading his healing wound. Psy was examining himself for pus. Oh, gross.
1: Was he really?
0: That's what he says. Mm.
1: Doc believe it.
0: Uh, the Doc didn't believe it? No. Hmm. no. What else would he have been doing?
1: Uh, make it, like, maybe making himself look worse for some nefarious purpose. Mm. Oh, Almost. I'm so sick! Oh! Look! Oh, look! Oh, look at my wound! What do you what mean? Mean?
0: Sy- Sympathy? Well,
1: maybe, yeah, or maybe he was just like picking at it or something, you know, for no good reason, just one of those people that's gotta pick at stuff, and <clears throat> he needs to have like a dog cone, <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly,
0: oh, it's like a metaphor he's picking at scabs, like he was uh, in the previous episode when he visited Joni and Jane he picks uh, out, picks at those scabs and see, this is the literal manifestation of that. It's very clever,
1: interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, didn't he he hurt himself last episode? Because he got all, like...
0: No, I don't think so. Oh, I can't remember what happened.
1: What were you going to say, Jonathan?
3: Sorry? I was just saying it fits his character.
1: Yeah.
0: We also learned that the poor guy who had his foot stomped on by New Turner may end up losing that foot because it's going gangrenous. Oh, was that who it was? Yes, Doc says he's got to go take care of this guy who has a, a broken foot. that's going gangrene, so... He may have to lose the foot. And Carol, you were correct because Doc confirms that the victim was a salesman. When I asked you, what do you think New Turner meant when he said, I see you, drummer? You said drummer was a term for for salesman and Doc confirms it in this scene.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. I I was like, I was right about something? You were. Oh, cool. I still don't Uh, know who this guy is. (laughs) I don't remember this at all. I remember he was just being, the guy was... They were in line for uh, to uh, get dinner or lunch or whatever it was at the hotel, and the Pinkerton guy just wanted to be obnoxious, so he like shoved him, and then the, when the guy objected, he 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 stomped on his foot. Ah, uh, barely. You don't remember, remember, remember
3: that horrible crunching noise? No, no.
1: <laughs> See, this, uh, I can't. I can't remember any of this. It, stuff. it was <laughs> a small <laughs> thing. Okay, it's it, it fine. was a small thing. You know, it's it was not fair. like yeah, it was not like a huge deal. But it was just showing it's the, how just it's just this kind of stuff that adds to my confusion because I never remember these little bits of story from way back when.
0: Well, it's not really important. It's just, no, um, it's
1: not, but it's like...
0: <laughs> and then I'm
1: trying to figure that out, and then the next thing happens, and I'm like, wait, wait, I'm still trying to figure this part out. And then something confusing happens again that's not relating to this last thing I'm trying to figure out. So then I'm even more confused. And then another thing happens. And I'm like, wait, what's happening? What is going
0: on? That's because there's, there's a lot that goes on in every scene exactly. in this show, and <laughs> a lot of the times they just drop you into it. Yeah, and you're not really certain what's going on, and I do not blame you at all for being confused about <laughs> some certain scenes later in the, in the yeah. episode it's uh, because true. it's very vague.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. It's absolutely true.
0: But on the other hand, that kind of makes it fun to rewatch because then you're picking up threads you didn't see right. before. Right, uh,
1: and that's what I imagine I'll do once we're done.
3: I'll probably end up rewatching it at some point, but.
0: Jack Langriche asks Shaughnessy if the exotic-looking woman from the night before is staying at his shitbox. Shaughnessy is outraged when Jack says he's come to get his fortune, told there'll be none of that on these premises. But bribes, yes. Bribes, yes. What an ass. Is this the
3: third time we've seen this guy?
0: Yes, I think so.
2: Somewhere around
1: there, yeah. Every time I see him, I think Blazinoff, because he's got the same mustache.
0: Mm. But then he
2: talks, I'm like, oh yeah, that's not him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Jonathan, are you a big fan of Shaanasi? i I don't like him. Uh,
3: <laughs> it might be that he hits a little too close to home, because he's, he's very clearly a, a a lace curtain Irish to me, which, you know, it's a, it's a term they use on the East Coast for... Uh, sorry, I was a little... More cold. shade I- being thrown at the
0: East Coast <gasps> on this podcast.
3: It's a... Uh, it's a term they use especially in Boston for Irish who uh, who make a little bit of money and get a house and move away from town and don't want anything to do with the other Irish immigrants and want to pretend that they are, they're better than the rest of them. Hmm. Also the kind of Irish that I am. <laughs> so. <laughs> so you're saying that you're a horrible person. In some ways, yes. Hmm. I try not to be, but uh, there's only so much you can do.
0: I'll have to put Jonathan's East Coast bashing in the outtakes.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, Boston.
0: Right. I mean,
3: Boston. <laughs> Enough said. Yeah. 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 I I mean, mean, all right.
2: Disgusting, you know. right?
0: <laughs> hey, well, I have
2: nothing
1: against Boston at all.
0: <laughs> so let's go inside the shit box and go uh, visit with this exotic woman who's talking to Jack. Jack. Uh, gave her some money she says i don't want your money i want to earn your money i want to stay in the theater and be an actress this is the the dancer from amateur night who had the f- the harem dance
2: yes
0: she twirled her around and claudia gave her this look like ugh this bitch mm. yeah and this is the first scene where you're like who is this <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> yes right? absolutely i didn't recognize her at all
3: one of three scenes in this uh, episode where i'm like who are you <laughs>
1: Exactly. And La Griche was usually there. She looked a lot different, too, from, like, obviously, because she was costumed when she did her dance. So, and then here she was dressed, you know, like, of her time, you know, like the regular clothes that people wore around. Yeah, I, I was not putting together at first that that was the... And I thought that there was two brunettes at one point. I just didn't recognize her from... For some reason, I thought when she appeared again, I thought she was a different woman.
0: I mean, no, she wasn't memorable? or No, no, no. There's like three so brunettes was... in this. Oh, that's so
1: what that's what why I was, gonna, I was so confused. Three? Yeah, there's three. There's oh my three. god. And that's... I was wondering if What's... they were the same. Yeah, yeah, I was getting them totally confused. Cause there was, I thought this was, okay, so I was Somebody like, at first I was lie. like, wait, is she, is this one the, the one that's trying to be a whore now, and then she's, but she wants to be an actor, but then he told her to go be a whore. What's going
2: on?
0: Mm -hmm. This is a fuck-up of casting here. You've got three brand-new characters in this episode, and you've got uh, this Josie N is the gypsy-like dancer woman who wants to stay at the theater and be an actress. Then you have Mary, who we're going to get to later, but she's in the hotel, also connected to Jack. And then there is... Oh uh, Jolene Janine? Janine. Janine, Janine, Janine? Janine from Cincinnati. Uh that's size New Whore. Right, not related they, to Jack, but they all kinda look alike.
1: They yeah. they not only look alike, but they gave two of them similar names. Hmm. One being very ethnic and one not being so that it you think for a second or at least I did that okay, is this the anglicized version of the other name or or what? I mean, this is one reason why in theater they have a tendency to cast blondes and brunettes and redheads and, you know, stuff like that and make sure that everybody's of different type so that the audience can keep people straight. Um, it, it, it's not just fetishism or anything, yeah. but uh, you know, make sure somebody's tall and somebody's short and you know, there's just different types, it's, or they'll put them in track of everybody, right? Or on, on stage, they'll do a lot of it with costuming. You know, you can just make sure you put everybody in a different color so that you can keep track that way. But it's the same in uh, animation, like in, in, yeah. in cartoons. Like they'll always right. have like different body types, different hair color, right. different hairdos. Like you know, right. it's easier to recognize the silhouette. And I I remember there was a show. It might have been like Hill Street Blues or something. I don't remember now. Or, uh, I don't remember. But there was some cop show, I think it was, where every time they had a woman leave and recast and, you know, have a new new character come in, they looked exactly like the last one. <laughs> like, I wasn't sure whether the casting director had that type or whether it was the, the showrunner that, you know, was just attracted to that particular type. But it was just amazing how you know, they would find an actress who looked almost exactly like the previous actress. You're playing a different character. You know? Find somebody who looks different. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense that they did that,
0: honestly. No, not in this not in this episode where you have to have three women to have them all look so similar.
1: Yeah. 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 There's a lot of women out there good actresses
0: <laughs>
1: find a few that look different
0: in mr farnham's absurd restaurant hearst is having breakfast with commissioner Hugh jari hearst tells aunt lou he'll let her know when odell's remains arrive
1: she looks so grateful
0: i think she spits in his food
1: oh i wouldn't be surprised if she does a lot more than that
0: uh, oh okay <laughs> oh, i don't want to know <laughs> The theater troupe sits at a nearby table. Claudia cracks. What about that beautiful harem dance by that darling little dark haired prostitute
1: I really it- want know I really want know what their background is like like Grace and claudia like i, I want to know like is it like a relationship where she's like still infatuated and he's just kind of like Ugh, whatever you're too you you're too uh what's the word um you just won't leave me alone <laughs> you know like she's kind of like always on on him to like you know. Too yeah. needy, too available. <laughs> too needy. Exactly, too mm-hmm.
2: needy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I get the feeling that Jack does this a lot. He picks up these, like, ingenues. Yeah. And he gives them star performances and things. Yeah. I mean, like. meanwhile Claudia's in the wings going, what about me? When's my star turn? When do I get to be the center of your attention?
1: Well, that may have been promised to her at some point, and then he kind of moved on, got bored and moved on to the next woman.
0: Or maybe he, she, she already was but then got placed. And now yep. every place they go new, it's somebody else that...
1: Yep. And And theater is like that, honestly. It's, you know, new faces, and, and if somebody catches the attention of the local crowd, then it's best to, you know, bring them on in. It, it's... There's a reason why it's sometimes compared to prostitution and such. You know, because there's that, you know, who's the newest face and, and, you know, you're kind of, you know, selling your, you're selling an image, you're selling yourself, you're, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough business. You are your product.
0: Hurst and Hugo spot Alma walking down the thoroughfare. Al and Alma share nods. Suddenly shots ring out near Alma's head. Al leaps from the balcony and comes to her aid, as does Charlie. Al tells Hurst he is absolutely safe, and then he sends Silas to the schoolhouse to fetch the foundling, and instructs Charlie to telegram the sheriff, who is in Sturgis doing campaigning.
1: I Al? just have an Al can move. Oh my Al god! Was my hero here?
3: <laughs> that was that was <laughs> the fastest I've ever. It's the most action I've ever seen him take.
1: That was amazing. Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. yeah it I was. Love- it, I thought it was great because yeah. it showed a different side of Al, but a side that makes perfect sense. That's there.
3: I wonder if he was, like, legit concerned for her life or he's just, like, doesn't want things to get out of hand for him and then lose control of, you know... You
1: mean if Alma had, got, had gotten killed?
3: Yeah, he just doesn't... He just wants to be in on whatever's going down and he's, I like... think he
1: legitimately cares for people.
3: Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I also, I also yeah. sort of feel like there might not be much of a difference between the two for him. Like, everybody in town who's not working for Hearst is his person.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. He's very loyal. Hmm. And it's also it's also kind of a a weird power thing too. That. Right. You know, there was a time when he wouldn't have moved a finger
2: if that had happened. You know, there right. was a
1: couple years ago when he would have just been watching from the balcony and saying, "Huh, oh, okay. Interesting." Um, <laughs> he might have even hired the person to to shoot at her, yeah, um, but but did you hear him later when he was like, like, how dare you shoot at a woman? Maybe when it's comes down to a woman being shot, it's a lot different for him, you know? yet, it's like I mean, it's like a women and children kind of thing, like you don't oh, do that, uh, but he's but he tried to get a kid sh- killed and and he and he has you know, I mean he's been really brutal to mm. women, not for a long time, but mm. you know by long time, I mean, if you know. Not that many episodes, but, um, he, cause there aren't that many episodes. Right. But, uh. A year ago. A year ago, you know, he, he could be pretty brutal, but I think there is a big difference between, you know, like my, my ally, you know, like, and I think he takes my ally, the my part of my ally very seriously. Mm. Once he determines that they are in his pack, you know.
3: This episode had a lot of good shots of his office and like it's it's whereabouts um in relation to the balcony that Hearst is always on and you mm-hmm. could just I think Al could literally sit behind his desk with a rifle with his door open to his balcony and the next time Hearst comes out he could just shoot him <laughs> This is
1: true but he knows that there'd be a lot of repercussions but but I if, think it's also uh, if powerful. He's not seen,
3: if he's not seen doing it, how could anybody
0: prove that he did it? I don't know. I if think he there- did, I'd say if he did, Hearst's men would come into the gym and burn it down immediately. Hmm. All the Pinkertons would.
1: Hearst is the head of an empire already. And that empire isn't going to stop just because Hearst gets killed. And uh, I'm guessing that they would come in and and, uh, destroy everything.
3: But, uh... Yeah, yeah at I- this point, if if Hurst falls down in the street and gets trampled by a horse accidentally, the gem is going to be burned down within hours.
0: In a bit, we'll discuss a scene where Alma and Trixie are having a conversation, and Trixie refers to Al, she says, yeah, he's a prince. Uh-huh. And I'm wondering if she's saying this because Trixie, in the back of her mind, is saying, uh, in the back of her mind, she's thinking... I remember a year ago when Al stepped on my throat, yeah. but he's but he's jumping over balconies to come to Alma's rescue.
1: yeah, she's probably bigger yeah and i but I think she also I think that that particular little moment with Trixie because of how she treats jewel right afterwards, I got the feeling it was really complex, like I think you're right that there's some of of that she knows how dark Al can be. And I think she also realizes that sometimes she takes after the dark part of Al and the way she treats people rather than, you know, and that's why she turns around and treats Jewel. It's like she remembers that, oh, yeah, I'm treating Jewel like I'm Al or something.
0: Right. There's like a just a flicker of resentment that Trixie seems to have for Al and Alma, but Mm -hmm. it it, but it passes very quickly. But I like it because they have a complicated history.
1: Yeah, and I think she resents in general how Alma is treated. You know, how there's a double standard for Alma. Um and yet there's not. I mean, she recognizes that that there's you know still the the problem with Alma being female and therefore she's treated um not treated like the men who have the same kind of money she's got, but she's still treated like she has money.
0: Mhm. She's treated better than the other women. <laughs>
1: exactly exactly even the other even the other whores noticed mm. oh boy do they notice but they don't they don't have the resentment or at least they haven't shown the resentment to tricks
0: before the shots ring out i like that alma and al have this little exchange wordless exchange how they nod to each other hello yeah, yeah. and it's pretty amazing to think how far they've come from the season 1 when al was basically trying to not kill Alma, but get her drugged up and take her gold claim and had her husband killed and all the other things. T- how far they've come. It's pretty great. Try-
1: yeah. yeah. And I think at this point, Alma is an ally that gives him power, too. And if she is killed or, or whatever, that's going to diminish Al's power, which Hearst is well aware of.
0: I really like this whole scene of the guns being fired.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: of the shots being fired at Alma's head and around her, the music comes in and stuff. Mm-hmm. It, looks, it feels,
3: yep. very, it feels like something big's happening, right? Yep,
1: yep. <clears throat> and there's actually some resolution to it, unlike the last one where we had, you know, where one of my objections was that it seemed to build tension all the way through and that it, it didn't really go anywhere. I kept se- expecting something to happen. It's like, okay, there's things happening. And this, the tension in the air makes sense. You know, it's it's going someplace and doing something.
0: <laughs> For our miscellaneous prediction, we were going to count guns fired and weapons brandished. Oh my. So we have two guns fired in this scene, off-screen. A shot fired at Alma 4 and a shot aft. I'm going to assume that they're different guns. It could be the same gun, but I'm going to count it as two. Okay. In Al's office... Alma takes a shot of whiskey, which is amazing. And thank you, Mr. Swearingen, for saving my life. Trixie arrives. She and Al discuss the likely culprits. It could be Hurst, it could be Alma's in laws, or the Pinkertons, who are employed by both. I think it was
3: funny that, kind of as a joke, but I, there was, I think, a moment of seriousness to it where Al acknowledges that there could be the smell of uh, gunpowder on Trixie's hands.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes. There's a slight
3: possibility that you pissed, pissed Trixie off enough that she was shooting at you, oh, but no. I doubt it.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And again, I love how these people are like a little family. They're all converging on the gem to take care of Alma. They're going to go get her child and bring bring the child to her, and it's great.
3: When they sent somebody to protect the child, I was like, where's Moe's? <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah, where Mo's is Mose? I
1: don't know. Good
3: question.
1: He had a pilot this week.
0: <laughs> Maybe. Elle tells Dan not to go to Cheyenne, he can't risk sending Dan away. Jewel brings Alma breakfast, although Alma normally does not eat before noon. Yeah. Which
1: Char- funny. I love Jewel. Jewel was hysterical in that. She was so cute. So cute. And I think it aggravated that was another thing that aggravated Trixie that, that Jewel was acting that way towards um towards Alma. And uh it's like she's just a person. Right. Knock it off
0: she's like a celebrity.
1: Yeah. They don't know her like Trixie knows
2: her, so right. And you
0: they know. don't know, yeah, all the flaws. She's like exactly. a she's
3: like a role model to the other women though. That's probably how they feel about her.
2: Mhm. Yeah, they
1: want they want her station in life, although they don't realize that you know she's got her problems too. I think they probably can't even imagine having her station in life. It's like, you know, looking at the queen of England or something and saying, "My goodness, what what would it be like to, you know, and not having any information, just knowing, you know, she's queen and lives in a castle and has a lot of, or a bunch of castles and has a lot of money. And it's like not knowing anything about her, just sort of like, whoa, that's just like, so different from my life.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: I also sort of like how they, I mean, the episode tacitly acknowledged that not even Alma is aware of the other women in town and what their lives are like at all. Like, she barely, barely notices the the horrors at the gem, and doesn't say anything to them because she doesn't have anything to say to them at all. Uh, and they, their their plight comes up in their little conversation later. you realize that they're like the the most ignored characters in the show. Yes, I mean, and would have been yeah. in life too. In real life, that's how right. things would have been. They were they were barely people.
1: Yeah, and someone in Alma's position very often wouldn't well she'd never go into the gym ever ever but she's now she is traumatized right at that moment i mean otherwise a woman naked from the waist up standing nearby in a room full of men would definitely have her attention um but she i mean she notices and all but i think she's as i say she's pretty traumatized right at that point and when she's leaving she's thinking about the fact that she's going to walk down the street where people just shot at her.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: So, yeah.
0: I'm sure if she did interact with the horrors, Alma would be polite, uh-huh. but it would be very, very awkward. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because as the the ladies later will say, what do we have to talk about?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They'll be like, how do I get a bank?
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a complicated story. Not even Alma knows for sure.
0: Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also like Jewel... Asking Alma, have you ever had bacon? <laughs> like she's from Mars or something. And she's never had bacon.
3: Yeah. Well, I also think that that bacon probably came from Wu's pigs, so she might oh. not. She might not want local bacon.
1: Yeah. Do you think Trixie is perpetuating the myth of Alma when she goes and tells Jewel that she ate both plates of food?
2: <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, she's got an appetite like crazy. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs>
0: And she does gymnastics. (laughs) Hugo hypothesizes scenarios, but annoys Hurst that he won't hypothesize. the most obvious one, that Hurst has arranged this shooting to nudge Mrs. Ellsworth into selling her claim. Hurst says the upcoming elections do not concern him. One way or another, he will get his way. And then Hugo takes his leave to go to the soldiers that are stationed outside the camp so he can instruct them on how to vote.
3: Having a really hard time with any scene with Stephen Tobolowsky in this episode after his performance in the last episode. <laughs> yeah, where he was like a bird or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he was a bird it man. Was So very disturbing. It's very, it's very funny. Was he like? Is this the scene where he's like looked like he was pretty much ready to to t- suck t- his t- cock?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now to put it mildly, yeah. <laughs> well, he says that Hurst is. Socrates and, and he's Alcibiades and her says, "Well, are you going gay for me?" Is basically what he's saying. Right. And and um, Hugo says, "No, no, no, no." And then he gets down on his knees. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like you're just yeah. contradicting yourself. Get get back up.
3: <laughs> no, 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 I mean, unless you want that. He <laughs> totally, totally would
1: have. Yeah. The guy is yeah. such a suck up. Yeah. In so many That's ways. Time. Yeah
0: very slimy, very gross. If you want to know more about the relationship bet- between Socrates and Alcibiades, please go on to com. find my show notes for this episode. I, I have some stuff in there. I'm not going to read it now. I will spare you that now. It's very interesting, though.
1: I will read it. Okay, so will I...
0: Well, then I might as well say it. Oh my- Aww! <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is what separates our podcast from other uh, Deadwood podcasts, (laughs) is that we actually go into, uh, in in depth, uh, in marginal, sort of tangential areas uh, to the episode. So, Socrates was viewed by many as the founding figure of Western philosophy. He served with distinction as a soldier, but became best known as a questioner of everything and everyone, his style of teaching, immortalized as the Socratic method, Involved not conveying knowledge, but rather asking questions after clarifying question until his students arrived at their own understandings. He wrote nothing himself, so that all that was known about him is filtered through the writings of a few contemporaries and followers, most of all his student Plato. He was accused of corrupting the youth of Athens and sentenced to death. Choosing not to flee, he spent his final days in the company of his friends before drinking the executioner's cup of poison hemlock. Alcibiades was a brilliant but unscrupulous Athenian politician and military commander. As he grew up, Alcibiades was strikingly handsome and keen-witted, but he was extravagant, irresponsible, and self-centered as well. He was, however, impressed by the moral strength and keen mind of the philosopher Socrates, who in turn was strongly attracted by Alcibiades' beauty and intellectual promise. So Socrates was the mentor and Alcibiades was the protege. And then Plato, another of Socrates' protégés, Wrote the Symposium, which was a uh, his most famous literary text, and in this text he describes a dinner party in which Alcibiades uh, recounts trying to seduce Socrates.
3: <laughs> Did it
0: work? No, he uh, Alcibiades was rebuffed. <laughs>
2: oh. oh, interesting.
0: But I think it was meant just to be humorous.
2: So you don't
1: think it really happened that you, they were like lovers? Yeah.
0: I don't know, but there's a lot of paintings of Socrates and Alcibiades. And I found one that's kind of humorous. Alcibiades is is with a young lady and Socrates is trying to drag him away. Like, come on, let's go. (laughs) It's by uh, John Baptiste and it's called Socrates dragging Alcibiades from the embrace of sensual pleasure.
1: Hilarious. So they're saying that Socrates was the one that was like all into it. But really, it sounds like that story... Alcibiades was.
0: He's trying to trying to seduce the older man.
1: Yeah, interesting.
2: All kinds of rumors.
0: Scandal.
3: Mm. Well, there you go, guys. There you Hoople go. Cast. That's it. Yeah. Hoople That's Hoople the history cast. of that. Come yeah. for a discussion I of dead like
0: Stay for the learning. Stay. For yeah. the Stay for the knowledge. Soak it in. Yeah. Be smarter. Don't be a hoopla head. Be smarter. <laughs> Charlie relieves Silas at the school. He tips his hat to Joni. Later, Joni and Jane come outside to relieve Charlie from his post. And there are just numerous shots of Martha looking through the window, just utterly perplexed by what is happening.
1: The whole yeah. like, the changing of the guard thing was really awkward. Like, every time they changed, just, yeah. it was just really weird. Well, I I actually, we skipped over uh Charlie's reaction. When he came in and he said to, um, Al, do you want me to, um, relieve so-and-so and i was thinking to myself oh okay so charlie's taking orders from al while seth is away you know i mean it makes sense because of the way things are going al just kind of took charge but then as charlie's going it's almost like he realizes that he's fallen into that too and mm-hmm. like because i don't take orders from you and, I, and all I of this is like consider well, that to be taking orders though i considered that to be like he's offering his services to help out it doesn't to me. He's not being ordered around, right? I agree right. with I, you.
3: I, I think that I mean I, I agree with with you, Carol. That he did that. I think it was the moment when Al started snapping at him for telling for, for telling him uh, what was going on with Blazinov and Merrick that he kind of snapped to him and went, "I don't have to work for this guy." <laughs> yeah, yeah,
5: yeah.
2: Th-
1: there was definitely there could that could have been it, or just you know, kind of as he's leaving, almost a self realization that. it Could be interpreted that he was just asking Al what to do, and you know, taking orders from Al. And he, what can I do? Yeah, what can I do to help out? Basically, right. And so he's kind of taking back his independence. Well, fine, I don't want to help you anymore. Yeah, it's like, you know, hey, I I don't work for this guy, so yeah. But I thought that was that was interesting because it made sense for Charlie somehow because. You know, Charlie can kind of fall into following people, yeah. And uh,
0: and Al is so clearly in charge of the situation.
1: Yeah, yeah, Alice definitely in charge.
0: But then Charlie's like, "Oh, I f- I forgot that I don't really like you."
1: <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. That uh, that too. That too. Definitely. I've I've known plenty of people who are like that. That you know, it's like they. They get involved in the moment and making sure everything's okay and, and all of that, and they suddenly are like, wait a minute, I am i don't like this person, and here I am helping. But the point was to help, not having anything to do with the person. You know, it didn't have to do with Al, it had to do with there yeah, was a problem a, in town.
3: We've got a situation here. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
2: Exactly.
0: Okay, this is fantastic. EB has sent Richardson over to the gym with a note pinned uh, on him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, this is adorable!
2: Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness.
0: Uh, Davy also tells us that wh- what Richard said on his way into the gym, he said the girls in here are pretty. <laughs> yeah. And Al sends him back to the hotel with a message, nothing's going on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I actually, well I guess we'll get to it, but I actually felt bad for
2: Evie this episode.
3: Yeah, <sighs> well... And-
1: Anyone's interaction with Hearst can make you feel bad for them. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's kind awful. of my rule of thumb at this point. Hearst mm-hmm. is such an awful human being, yeah. and he's getting so out of control that it's like if you're in his presence at all, the audience is going to feel bad for you by the end of the scene. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it would start. be fu- it would be funny to cosplay as Richardson.
2: Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god.
0: <laughs> well, we all have to go to a comic con. We'll, we'll be various incarnations of Richardson. One will be the Richardson with the note pinned to the chest. One will be Richardson with the antlers. Yeah,
2: someone could learn how to juggle.
0: <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. I want to be Richardson making breakfast.
2: Aww.
3: The oatmeal's <laughs> clotted.
2: A, you can carry around a bowl of clotted oatmeal. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, I definitely
1: want to see the pictures.
0: Oh, oh man, so the Richardsons. <laughs> We're doing it, guys. We're doing it. New York Comic Con. Yeah, I'm totally going to make like a shitty felt beard.
1: (laughs) I wish they didn't have New York Comic Con on Columbus Day weekend. They used not to. Then they just started and I can't go on Columbus Day weekend. So annoying! Uh,
2: Anyway. You should write to them. Yeah, because they'll care. (laughs) (laughs) They'll change it. You never never know.
0: Yeah. Hearst predicts to New Turner, who, by the way, his name is Barrett, but I'm just going to keep calling him New Turner, that Ellsworth will soon appear. They'll have a small number of men to deal with him and the main force to deal with Bullock. Except little does he know that Dan has already brought Ellsworth unconscious into the gem.
2: That was fast.
0: Where'd they find him? Must be at at the diggings. At Alma's Claim, probably, supervising.
1: Probably, yeah. I think Ellsworth is pretty much an open book. Dan was very... You mean it's easy to find him? Yeah, I mean, where he is, what he's... I don't think it's, you know, he's a big secret or anything. He's kind of...
3: I think wherever he was, he was somewhere that Dan could get behind him to hit him over the head.
0: And not be seen doing that. (laughs) It's weird how we get so many, like, little scenes that seem kind of inconsequential. Like, we didn't really need that. But we were denied... Dan just swapping Ellsworth on the back of the head and carrying him, trussing him up and carrying him to the gym. That
1: would have been hilarious. <laughs> well, in a way, I mean, I've kind of found him just showing up, you know, the way he was trussed up and all. I found that kind of hysterical myself. But, I mean, it's like, you hog-tied him down, mm-hmm. you know? I I think I literally have that in my notes. Ells- they hog-tied Ellsworth.
0: Mm-hmm. Hurst says the fool husband ought soon to appear. Some small number to deal with his dudgeon.
1: Ah, dudgeon. I looked it up. You did? Okay, <laughs> good. I did work this time. God. Good, you did your homework. Oh, awesome. All right. Shh. A dudgeon is a feeling of offense or deep resentment. And then there's a sentence example. The manager walked out in high dudgeon.
0: Very
3: good. You want to know? You get an A+. You yes. want to know a fun fact? Fun fact. Yes. I looked it up in case Mel didn't. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) Did you find a different definition? Nope, I found the exact same definition.
0: Yep, (laughs) so did I. That was exactly my definition. Uh,
3: uh, Ellsworth getting angry once he heard
0: the situation
3: is just like, I I didn't think he'd get as rage-filled as Seth, but he did. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder who has more rage.
2: Yeah!
1: They should have a (laughs) rage-off. They should. I mean, Ellsworth has been hating uh Hearst for years before he ever met Alma,
2: True. and you know
1: now Alma is his wife, and just that that concept of you know being a wife and so forth has a whole emotional a lot of emotional baggage there, no matter what the relationship is like
3: yeah he didn't he didn't need another reason to hate Hearst, but he's got one,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: Al revisits why Hurst sent Captain Turner to fight Dan out of boredom, Al suspects. And to make people afraid, so he knows he's a big shot, Tom adds. Al is worried that this is an overture to an onslaught. He discusses numbers. He's got Dan, Silas, Johnny, and Seth. Johnny offers that Silas has got sand, which uh, I also looked up. It means guts, courage, toughness. Al wishes he knew someone in Cheyenne to whom he could telegram. Sil- Silas suggests Hawkeye, gets a slap. <laughs> And again, but, Mel was like, who's Hawkeye? Yeah. <laughs> We've had this conversation
1: <laughs> before! Yeah, it's like, we had to pause it, because I was just like, I don't remember this at all, and I still kind of don't. I think it's
3: like the third time where they brought up Hawkeye, and she's like, who's Hawkeye?
1: I, you know, I just barely, I just remember that there's somebody that, and I don't remember why Al hates him so much.
3: Yeah, I, I'm yeah. not
1: sure I ever did know why Al hated him so much.
3: It's, I don't think it's, it was ever made clear, really. There's Hawkeye was there, then he wasn't, then Al hated him for something, but I don't think they ever really covered why.
0: He's not responsible. He's not reliable. He doesn't show up on time. You can't trust him. Al just doesn't trust him, just doesn't like him.
1: Yeah. and But I always forget about him, too. I It's just like, I have this very vague memory of the guy. So, yeah.
0: Someone needs to make a compilation of all of Hawkeye's scenes like they did for Richardson.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but see the difference is I remember Richardson he's very memorable
0: mm-hmm.
1: this guy I don't <laughs> well Richardson is also in it a lot more than yes, Hawkeye and probably partially because Richardson became a memorable character he's amusing delightful yeah. Yeah. who cares about Hawkeye who cares <laughs> I sure don't I was going to say certainly not you so certainly not me right exactly
3: Al doesn't, I- unless you say his name in front of him and then he'll punch you.
1: <laughs> I think only if uh, if this guy with his name si- says his name. S- I can't come up. S- S- There's too many people with an S name. If Hawkeye, if Hawkeye starts juggling, then maybe I'll remember him.
0: <laughs> Alright, well you got your orders, <laughs> Hawkeye.
1: <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Silas is confident that he can word the telegram in such a way that nobody would decipher its meaning. And he's confident that Hawkeye won't steal the money for the guns or stop to get laid on the way to camp. So we'll see if that happens. Uh says just go ahead and send that telegram. Also, El has an idea that Alma should complete her walk to the bank. At this point, they know Hearst just wants them rattled. So if Alma goes back outside, that motherless cunt would really be confounded. You think that's a good idea, sending her back out there.
1: Uh yeah, actually. I think yeah. it's I well, think if if Alma had said no, she would have been well within her rights to, to you know, to say no. But uh yeah, I think it, it really rattled him a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. You took it out on E B. Oh, Boy yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well that's the reason not to do it then. Boy I'm sarcastic today. I wonder why. <laughs>
0: I agree with Al that whatever they were going to do to Alma, they've done it. Like, they just meant to scare her. They wanted her dead, they would have killed her, and they've made their point. Hearst made his point. There really shouldn't be any concern for her to go back outside.
3: What if they did want her dead? They just missed. <laughs>
1: it's just a really bad shot. Yeah.
0: Oh, then you'll get a scene where Al's like, well, I read that situation wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And probably give a slap to the guy who originally thought of it. Who was it that originally. It, uh, it wasn't Al's idea originally. Yeah,
0: it was. It was Tom Nuttall, wasn't it? No, I think it was Al's idea that she go back out.
1: Oh, that she go back out. Yeah, but um, the idea that you know they'd pretty much done what they were going to do, and that it wasn't. I mean, Al got the he put the idea together, but he got the original idea from somebody else. I don't remember who it was in the bar that, and he it sparked. He was inspired, like he. By something somebody else said. I don't remember who. I don't
2: remember.
0: When Ellsworth wakes Dan, he explains the situation. Ellsworth wants to go kill Hurst immediately, but Dan tells him, Hurst wanted Alma dead, she'd be dead. Hurst wants an opportunity, an excuse to kill Ellsworth, maybe Seth. And once Ellsworth calms down and sees the logic to this, Dan unties him.
1: Two things. One, mm-hmm. I thought that Dan, I was so glad that Dan was being smart about how he told Ellsworth. Because I get so sick and tired of shows where people are stupid about how they tell people stuff and make matters worse for purposes of the
0: plot. Right.
1: And I really liked that Dan just was like, she's fine. You know, and like Mm -hmm. a normal person would do with someone where they knew that the guy is likely to go running out and and kill somebody. And uh, the other thing was, I don't remember
0: what. Okay <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. this was handled really smartly. You tie yeah. him up so he can't so he can't just run off and do something foolish, and you start with the positive. Mm-hmm. She's fine. We got it under control. This is what happened. You need to calm down, yeah, understand oh, I... that if you do this, if you run after him, you're just giving him what he wants. I know down what now. My other
1: thing was. okay I wonder do people think that Ellsworth actually has bought into you know, the whole thing of we can't hurt Hearst because that's what he wanted and all. I wasn't sure whether he actually bought into it or not. Or whether he was just like, okay, I won't do anything for this moment while I think about whether I want to f- agree with you or not.
3: I think, yeah, well, I think to, to begin with, he got as far as what you say, and I don't know whether or not that final scene with Ellsworth and Swearing and standing outside the gym as uh, Alma walked away, I felt like uh, Ellsworth had agreed to allow that to happen, and beyond that, you couldn't you couldn't count on anything.
1: Right? Yeah, that was kind of my feeling too. Yeah,
0: we were counting guns fired and weapons brandished. Here's another one: we got a damn threatening Ellsworth with a knife, not a serious threat. Yeah. yeah. So we're up to three. Al tells Alma she ought to go to the bank and get Hearst fulminating. She agrees. Downstairs, she asks Ellsworth to join her at the bank later and have dinner with her and Sophia. She doesn't want Ellsworth to play into Hearst's schemes. And then she leaves to walk to the bank alone.
1: I thought that was really beautifully filmed. I loved the the way she was going straight down the street and there was all this stuff swirling around her. Mm-hmm. I really liked that
3: a lot. That whole and scene was, it was exciting and kind of tense i mean mm-hmm. there is adam standing along the road with a gun on his hip the way i'm sure mm-hmm. he does just on a normal day and <laughs> men men probably pinkerton shadowing her down the street and Hearst and uh, Swearingen watching the entire way it was it was remarkably exciting for somebody just walking down the street right yeah both sides had her covered the whole way
2: yeah exactly yeah
1: and, and also, it was a nice character turn for Alma, because it was a really brave thing to do. Yes. And, you know, she really showed some major grit by doing that.
0: And although it's, it's pretty clear that nothing's going to happen to her, Alma doesn't know that, that she's right. a character in the show. Right. And <laughs> exactly. Molly Parker does a really great job selling the sphere. And so I'm, I'm fearful and I'm tense for her because I know what she's thinking. I put yeah. myself into her head and I think this is a really scary thing. Yeah. Logically, as a television viewer, I know that she's going to make it to the bank. Mm.
1: I had a pretty good idea that they were right, but as far as, well, they're never going to kill off Alma, I didn't even really think about it. I, I was pretty sure they were right about the fact that, I mean, Hearst, we had been let in on Hearst saying to, the other guy that, you know, they really wanted Ellsworth and Seth Bullock. But anything could happen.
0: To my memory, this is one of the standout scenes in the entire series because of the way that it's filmed and the level of tension and emotion.
2: Yeah, I can understand that.
0: Hurst makes New Turner read the note he is to deliver to Al. The note feigns concern for Alma, asks who could have shot at her, and proposes that... He might station someone at the bank to watch over her. And he's such a bully here, making his minion read the note out loud.
1: Yeah. To make I sure. He, I didn't think he was that bad at reading it. Like, it was obvious that he was, like, struggling slightly, but he just made it. made him seem so much worse than he actually was. Do you think that was almost a face saving thing for, um. um. Hearst?
0: Yes. When he says, they you don't read easily, do you? Yeah, Yeah, because he can't admit that he was wrong.
1: Yeah, he pretty well decided the guy couldn't read, and he was going to make him, he was going to humiliate him by making him prove that he couldn't read.
0: Yeah. And, and then, then he could he, read. And then he could read. So he has to belittle him and say, well, you don't read well. You yeah. Know, fine. But he just, yeah, he's he just got to be such a bully all the fucking time.
3: Yeah.
0: It's getting right. worse
3: and worse. And it was, it was also, I mean, the fact that he didn't he had to really, really belittle somebody, so as after, after he couldn't uh, belittle New Turner, just a little later on, he moved on to EB for no reason. Like, he didn't even decide, he decided he didn't even need a reason, he just went and looked for someone.
0: Yep. This is another great, great scene. Uh, the horrors are in their little room, and they are in awe of Alma. Yeah. Alma talks to Trixie, so they're pretty certain that Alma would talk to them. They uh, they know she's from Philadelphia, and they have great manners in Philadelphia, so maybe they can talk about being from Philadelphia. Dolly uses the word comportment. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I love that these women are feeling inspired by Alma. Yeah. Uh, and it's such a great character arc for her that she came to Deadwood, subjugated by her husband and her addiction, and now she's become this brave person and this role model for these other women. Yep. It's one reason why I think she might be my favorite character in the whole series, and not not a lot of people would, would say that Alma is their favorite character, they, they, they'd say that Al, you know, because Al, Al is so great, and Ian McShane is so great. But I think that Alma has such a great story arc.
1: Yeah, it has been excellent. Oh, I'm beginning to talk like it's over.
0: <laughs> I know, we're so wistful.
1: <laughs> I know. It has been, it's been a good arc, but it's over now. No, not yet.
0: Way back at the beginning of the season, a lady climbed down from the stagecoach. She wore a red dress. We knew that she liked to draw before she ate, and she knew of Wordsworth, because when E.B. quoted a poem to her, she says, oh, do you know Wordsworth? This is that lady.
1: Oh, God, really?
0: <laughs> yes. It
3: took me forever to figure out that this was somebody who had been introduced before, and eventually I realized it.
0: Because it's been by- so long ago. Uh-huh. Right. Right.
3: And it made really? me wonder. It made me wonder if E.B. ever found the courage to search her room.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what has she been doing all this time? Just I, in her room, I guess. I did not know. I did not remember who she was, or me neither.
0: I'm not surprised.
1: Did she come in before or after Longreach?
0: Um, the same time. She, um, she in, was on she. That she Yes, she was in the stagecoach, not with him, but the one before them that brought in Wu Aunt Lou, and oh, yes, okay. her as well. Yeah. Oh wow, she was wearing a red dress. In, in IMDb, she's credited as Mary, aka the lady in the red dress. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, I mean they they I had no idea they foreshadowed her appearance, but it was so long ago and it was so slight how they did it that. You can, you will not be held accountable for not remembering her.
1: <laughs> and she hasn't been shown in... Has she been shown in any of these scenes or anything? Not lately. Like background or anything?
0: Not since like episode four of the season. <laughs> yeah, she's okay. been gone for half the season. Wow. Oh, she was in the last episode. She was at Amateur Night, disapproving of the exotic dancer. <laughs> ah. Okay. They did have a shot of her there. Turns out her name is Mary, and she has a relationship with Jacqueline Langrish. And
1: apparently has had for a long
3: time. Yeah, would have been nice to know that earlier, I guess. I don't know. How do they, how do they let it get this far with all these characters? Somebody should have told them, hey, you got too many characters.
1: <laughs> yeah, and even though she was older than the other one, quite honestly, it wasn't enough for me not to go, oh, wait a minute, is he talking to the same woman again? No, I don't think so. This is a different one. Okay. Oh, he's talking about the other one. Alright, so that's definitely a different one. You know, it's just a lot of just trying to put pieces together that were
4: not, not worth very, the effort. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: no, not there, very important pieces.
3: There was so much mental energy expended on the scene by me. I just I yeah I spent so much time trying to figure out if I knew this character and then trying mm-hmm. to understand the relationship between her and Langriche. And
2: mm-hmm. by the end
3: of it, I just couldn't believe I'd spend as much time mm-hmm. trying to understand what was going on as I did.
1: That's pretty much exactly what happened with me too. Okay,
0: I'm going to read Alan Suffinwall's comments, but this is not from his most recent revisit of the series. This is back when it first aired. He says, first, I never want to see any of the theater people again. And I think that oh. may include Langriche. Brian Cox is a great, great actor and has been a fun foil for Al. But by God, what was the point of the scene with Jack's two women? I'm assuming the dancer is his daughter and the painter is a former lover. Or maybe they're both daughters? Or they're his sisters? His daughters? His sisters? Whatever the bleep they are, I could not give a good damn about any of it. Or about Khan's blood flow problem with Claudia. or Whatever the hell (laughs) Bellegarde's doing when we see him next. David Milch is a grand grand thinker, but sometimes his eyes are bigger than his stomach, you know? At first, I was willing to indulge the arrival of the theater company, even though it meant less time for characters like Saul and Adams, because of Cox. Then I was willing to indulge them some more because of the talks that Milch has had about the nature of drama as a mirror for life and how the theater company's arrival would be the culmination of that theory. Then I was willing to indulge them just a bit more because I made myself forget about all those other Milch digressions to nowhere. But no more. I'm not saying there isn't a point to the theater stuff. There just isn't enough of one to justify this much screen time devoted to them, especially at the expense of an ensemble that was already too full by at least a third. I absolutely agree. Yeah. Yeah. Though I will say, on subsequent rewatches, they're less of a nuisance because you you know the plot. Like, you don't have to uh, spend the mental energy figuring them all out. Yeah. Yeah. They just kind of go by, and you're like, okay.
1: Yeah, but most people are not going to rewatch a show like three or four times. You know, like most people watch it and then it's done.
0: Right, I understand. Yeah, it's it's not good. No, no, and I'm not, I won't try and defend it.
2: No, <laughs> yeah, Langriche
1: I find interesting, but his theater company, not even a little bit. Um, the other characters, as you say, as the guy said about you know Claudia and. Whoever had the constant throb <laughs> that was um, hilarious though <laughs> i mean yes the the dialogue was it was very funny, no, um, it wasn't the dialogue, it was the pants, oh <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah, the pants were it was like the funny. visible fake boner yeah. it just looked yeah. like like someone put like like yeah. a like mostly empty toilet paper roll down his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Was a little long and thin for that, but yeah.
0: Oh <laughs> well they're spending too much time talking about Khan's penis, I don't want to talk about it anymore.
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, there was that was a little Yeah. I mean why? I I have to admit, that that whole thing, I was just like, okay, we spent a lot of time on on women we don't know and since we know that the series is going to end, we know we'll never get to know. And, uh, and it's, the casting was not good and, you know, on and on and on. Mm -hmm.
0: So this is why I was accosted at the Twin Peaks festival by that English guy. Uh, What do you mean? At the mixer, at the roadhouse, the first night we were there, this English guy, um, found out that I did a Deadwood podcast and was like, he wanted to talk to me about how he didn't like Brian Cox and the theater people in season three. He's like, what happened? And I'm like, well, all right.
1: Because now you're the expert on knowing what <laughs> David Milch's mind. Doing. Apparently. <laughs> how how powerful you are.
0: He just wanted to complain about season three and the theater people. Oh,
1: okay.
0: I mean, they're yeah. obviously the weakest part of the season. This is true. And you could say that the ERPs are probably the sec- oh. second weakest.
1: Oh, yeah. Forgot about Forgot them about already. ERPs the less interesting <laughs> than theater troops. Like, mm. Yeah, yeah.
0: The disadvantage of the theater people is that they take up more screen time.
1: True. <laughs> but I still was happier. Like, I, I'm actually somewhat invested in the theater troupe, whereas the herbs I just wanted them to leave. In my you opinion. Know, Now, admittedly, if there had been a fourth season, and he had done something amazing with the theater troupe, then everybody might have forgiven what was going on in the third season. Right. And he might have had something amazing in mind... That he was leading up to. but
0: You know. This isn't necessarily a bad premise. The idea of the guy who runs the theater. Installing different women in different places. And juggling. His relationships with all of them. In both (laughs) professional and and personal capacities.
5: It's a little bit
1: like.
0: Big love-ish.
1: (laughs) Should have been a spin-off. A Deadwood spin-off.
2: Yeah, I thought of that.
0: It just doesn't. It's just not crafted well enough.
2: Well, I mean, it's it it doesn't
1: have the import, and it doesn't have the gravitas of everything else going on in town. Mm-hmm. It's it's the least important, and it's the most frivolous, you know, storyline. Right. I mean, there's there's so many there's there's so much at stake for everybody else in town. On every little thing that's going on, and there's really so little at stake for the theater group compared to any of the other stuff so I mean that's part of the problem
0: they're just trying to give Brian Cox something to do is what yeah. it feels is what it feels like yeah. so I think it's possible that Mary is supposed to be Jack's wife or the woman who's closest to being his wife, but he's a philanderer and he's got women in different places and Claudia is upset that she's not one of those women mmm or she used to be, and she's no longer.
1: Yeah, I, I assumed she was his longtime mistress, that he's kept under wraps.
0: Mary wishes that they could live together in a house, and she could paint the sketches that she's made in her book, and Jack says, you know what, just get to fucking painting then. <laughs> goodbye. <Yeah. laughs> so we're going to say goodbye to them, too. We, we've we spent enough energy discussing them. All right. At the gem, <laughs> Al invites New Turner up to his office. New Turner and Old Turner were part of the 69th Mick Regiment in New York. Al was part of the cocksucker's brigade, all horde detachment, and he was busy slitting throats during the war. New Turner confides that Hearst selfishly asked old Turner, this is very confusing, to make the fight with Dan last as long as possible, even if he was winning. Why? Yeah, we
1: knew that. We knew that.
3: <laughs> I kind of I thought that cleared up a, a few things from that previous episode. It made it more clear what he
0: asked for and why. why yeah, was, we, think,
1: we saw uh, him do that, right? Right, right. Yeah, but Al didn't know that.
0: Mm-hmm. It wasn't just beat Dan, kill Dan. It was the spectacle of it. Right. Right.
1: Which would have made Al that much angrier because, you know, this is human life that he's playing with. And Al does a lot of things, but he doesn't play with lives. He There's a purpose for everything he does. When he's brutal, he's brutal for a reason.
0: New Turner also says that Al doesn't seem like such a bad sort.
3: <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Right before he gets hit. Yes, he uh Al proceeds to kick the living shit out of him for shooting at a woman, for beating up a newspaper man, scaring a Chinese man in the thoroughfare with his horses. He just he just beats the crap out of him. And uh New Turner says, I just want to be heard. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, all right, well tell me what you tell me what you got. Hurst sent for more guns, wired for more Pickertons. 25 more to add to the 25 he already has in camp. A few more kicks to the groin, and he's weeping. He begs Al, don't tell Hurst that I revealed all this information. Al gets out a gun, and tells New Turner not to give up hope. He goes out onto the balcony, sees Hurst, shouts that he's passing a little wind. (laughs) Back inside, New Turner's reaching for the gun that Al has left on the chair, but Al kicks him away.
1: Now, did Did anybody else think that Al was setting him up that if the guy had been... I didn't see whether he took the bullets out of the gun or what he was doing with the gun, but I figured that he was setting the guy up that if he had enough strength to take the gun and try and shoot Al, he would come out on the balcony to try and do it, and Al could in good conscience kill him, in front of Hearst and the world, with it being shown that the guy had was sneaking up on him with a gun. Yeah, Anybody uh, else get that, or was that just me?
3: Uh I, I didn't. I wondered why Al put the gun there, and I didn't think about it that hard. my My assumption for Al going out to the balcony was to kind of take the temperature of what was going on. He was he was looking to see if Hearst was waiting. In some ways, I think he was trying to confirm his theory of what was going on with Hearst. And if he saw him waiting there, he would know that, uh, he was right about, about the outcomes that Hearst was expecting. But I didn't really think about it much beyond that. And I, I always wondered why Al put the gun within reach. I mean, he seemed to be doing that really purposefully. And, uh, and I never did quite assess what his purpose was.
5: I just
2: kind of had this
1: picture in my head of if the guy had been strong enough to to hobble out to the um, to the balcony and try and kill Al, then right in front of the whole town, including Hurst, Al would have had a self defense reason to kill the guy.
3: Kind of claim against Hurst at that. Your man right in front of everybody tried to
0: kill him. I mean, Carol, you just got finished saying that. Al doesn't play with lives the way Hearst does, but maybe he was. Maybe he was so angry that at this little toady for all the things he did, like, you know, shooting at women and harassing Wu, that he put the gun on the chair as a, you know, as a tease.
2: Yeah, yeah, he could have. That's pretty bold if, if that's what he did, because he's, you know, he's pretty I, confident in himself if he's doing it
1: that I, way. I
0: would have hoped he would have taken the bullets out of the
1: Yeah, he was doing gun. something the gun before he put it down. He didn't just pick it up and then put it down. He he did something. I just didn't see what it was. I was writing notes and stuff.
0: I don't think it showed it. Oh, okay. Yeah. It felt like taunting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. More, more so than your theory of enticing him to come out onto the fart patio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because one thing that this show does really well is the little callbacks to things.
2: Right. Right.
0: So right. here's the, here's the, uh, the balcony. Yep. Please use the balcony if you have to pass gas.
2: Yep. <laughs> and
1: admittedly, um, yeah, I mean, he obviously was taking his anger at Hearst and everything out much more on the guy than he needed to, in order to get information from him and certainly more than he needed to, to kill him. But, uh, and, I mean, what he was saying to the guy that if you take it, compare it to what Al has done in the past, most of his words were pretty hypocritical. But if you put my in front of it, you know, like you're shooting at my women, meaning, you know, an Alma is kind of one of his clan at this point, and my Chinese guy, mm-hmm. then it becomes a different sort of a thing. It's like only I can do
0: things to my people. We were counting guns fired and weapons brandished. Here's a weapon brandished. Al picks up a gun and he puts it on a chair next to New Turner. Yep. Brings her count up to four. Con Stapleton knocks at Claudia's door. She doesn't want to see him and we get our episode title.
1: So bizarre again with them coming up with the episode title from this Mm -hmm. random little thing. I just couldn't get over how fake that boner looked.
0: (laughs) I can't believe I'm saying this. I'll have to go back and rewatch. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it was so fake looking. It just—it literally looked like they shoved like a piece of copper piping down his pants. I just yeah. remember thinking that looked so odd.
3: <laughs> it looked so weird that I—I I actually wondered if it was intentional. Like I—I I thought maybe this was just a—a uh, a wardrobe
0: difficulty. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, it was totally intentional. No. Yeah, it did not look real. No.
0: All, all right, I'm looking it up. Look at it. Look at looking it. For Khan's boner, <laughs> <laughs> uh, looking for the boners, going scrubbing ahead through the episode.
1: Now, while you're doing that, we could, you know, say that okay, Hurst also has a constant throb, but in a for a different thing, in a different way. He really, really, really wants to pull down Al and Alma and Seth and this whole. The whole structure of Deadwood that he feels is dared to challenge him first as a boner for making people's lives miserable.
0: <laughs> oh wow, that
1: you, you could put it that way. That's pretty it, much yeah. So what do you think of that boner, Matt?
0: <laughs> what what do I think of that boner? I think, <laughs> it doesn't look like it's even in the right place. I know, exactly, exactly. Exactly. It's not coming from his crotch. It's coming no. from like it's like an appendage coming from his hip or something.
2: I know. It's so.
1: It's so the poor guy is deformed. All right, oh let's God. just let's just be kind here.
3: Whatever he did when he pulled his groin is really did some real damage. <laughs>
1: yeah. It really, really did. Yeah. And and we should not make fun of the poor man.
0: <laughs> I'm just gonna paste that screenshot in the Facebook group.
1: <laughs> of course, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I expected nothing less.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh moving on. <laughs> I have to say that um I adore Cynthia Ettinger on Carnival. I'm not really a fan of her on, on this show. Is it because of the character or? i I think it's a little bit of both. The character's not great, but I don't think she has that she embodies the character that well.
1: Is that Claudia? Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's very forgettable, kind of. I mean With what's being said and everything, she shouldn't be because she should be kind of a, but it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't take on a life somehow.
0: But again, she's really fantastic on Carnival. They give her some good stuff to do.
1: One of these days I will see that.
0: Well, you're going to watch the pilot at least.
1: All right.
0: Though the pilot's not that great, but the rest of the show is pretty great.
1: I look forward to it even if it's not great.
0: Janine from Cincinnati visits with Psy. She's there for a job. He tells her she'll be advanced $5 towards the evening's fucking, but do not do any dope with Leon. Also, close the door, stupid.
3: He's... uh. (laughs) just I'll take this opportunity to say that Psy's the worst. Fuck Psy. He's not the worst,
1: though, now. He's the second worst now.
3: Why is he even around? He's totally redundant.
1: He needs to just keep picking away at that wound.
3: He's yeah, really. to...
1: I mean, Hearst is definitely the worst. Yeah. So, size crown has been taken from him at that point. But, he's just Uh-oh. such a small-time awful human being. Yeah.
0: It also, again, doesn't help that Janine looks like the other two women. <laughs> Especially no, the first right. one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I was wondering what's she doing here? I thought she had an agreement with with Langriche
0: and hey, and then, you said his name correctly.
1: I did. I did.
0: <laughs> Yay! Yay. Uh, give me
1: enough time, and I'll get there. I, I just take a little while sometimes.
0: It um, would have been a better story if she was size horror, but she was going to try and be an actress. Yeah, like that's that's a plot.
1: And I kind of wondered if that's what was going on at first, and then I realized, no, no, this is somebody different. I
2: think.
3: Yeah, it was the moment when I realized that we were dealing with a third character I didn't know. I was like, what is happening in this
0: episode?
1: (laughs) Have we ever seen this woman before? No. Okay, because when she said, you know, oh, I'm so and so's friend from Cincinnati or whatever, I was like, okay, do we know so and so? Do we know so and so? Whoever it was that. And are we ever going to see her again?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You will, yeah. Oh, okay. Hey. She. She looks, he calls her stupid, she looks stupid. Aww. I feel like, I feel like she does have, have this, like, slack-jawed yokel look on her face.
1: <laughs> well, she's, she looked really unhappy with being there. Yeah. And I couldn't really blame her. No. Which is not terribly stupid when you come right down to it. <laughs> I mean, ugh, Sigh.
0: Yeah, maybe it's not fair of me, but I was taking screen caps of characters for the bracket game that we're going to play, and I took one of her where it's like, she looks kind of Der- like, she looks kind of derpy. <laughs> <laughs> derpy? Derpy. Derpy.
1: That's a new one for me. Yeah,
0: derpy. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right.
0: <laughs> well, we're learning all sorts of things. We're learning about modern day slang. We're learning about Socrates and also Biades. We just run the gamut here on this podcast.
1: Is derpy like a midwestern thing or what? Okay, wait. Now so I know. Derp. I'll read yeah. you the definition. Carol used yeah. as a substitute for speech regarded as meaningless or stupid, or to comment on a foolish or stupid action. Sentence example: Lower tax rates and far lower job creation. Derp. <laughs> and the exclamation is herp derp.
3: <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Right. I told a friend of mine, uh, actually, I think it was a couple of years ago now that he had to stop using that. And he asked me why. I said, because there was a column in the New York Times where somebody referred to something being derpy. So it's over. And he looked at me and he's the kind of person who looked at me, took me seriously. He's like, you're right. If the New York Times knows about this, it's over.
2: <laughs> All right.
1: Well, that might be true of me, too. So
3: Now that Carol knows. We're really
0: exactly.
1: On. It's over. <laughs>
0: Hurst runs downstairs and pounds at E.B.'s door. He's going to take his frustrations out on poor E.B. He spits in his face, tells him, better not wipe that spittle off your face. When I, the- when I come back, I want to see that you still have spit on your face.
3: This was the worst scene of the, of the episode for me. Like, I genuinely had difficulty watching it. The second time through, I kind of had to cover my eyes. It, I was just disgusted. It, it's worse than the next scene. <laughs> it was very, yeah, it was like very glue-like spit. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's like, what was he eating? I mean, my god,
2: yeah.
0: It looked like cum. I'm just gonna, no! say, I'm just gonna say what we're all thinking. <laughs>
2: oh, god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gross. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you, you felt bad for EB, Mal?
1: I did. Like, that was really low.
2: Don't you think?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, it's gross to be like, It's one thing to spit in someone's face, but it's a whole other level of evil when he says, I don't want you, like, if you wash your face, I'm going to kill you. Mm -hmm. Like, that's disgusting. But you know what? E.B. has had choices throughout. I mean, he got paid for the hotel. (laughs) Sorry. He could get the (laughs) hell out. He does not have to work for Hearst. He doesn't. No, and those whores don't have to work for Al or Cy either. Yes, they do, because they don't have any other options in life. Uh, does he, does E.B. really have any other options in life? He got paid for the hotel. He's got money. He could start another hotel someplace. He could do anything he wants. He got paid by Hearst.
6: He's the
0: mayor. He can't He's the leave. Mayor.
1: He's got obligations. But he doesn't have to manage that he hotel. Becomes, he can do he other feels, things. Mostly he feels so invested in this town now, but, you know, and his life is so miserable. I don't know. But, I mean, he could do, he could, he could mayor, <laughs> you know, he could go off and mayor. Yeah. But he does not have to manage that hotel for Hearst. That's a choice he made. He, yeah.
2: Other, yeah.
1: There are a lot of other people in that town who do not have a choice. This is all, you know, they're living hand to mouth. They don't have any money. They don't have, you know, options or anything else. EB is not one of them.
0: Matt, did you feel bad for EB? Uh, I guess. I don't know.
3: He's been pretty... I start feeling bad for EB, but then... But then he he... does something really awful.
0: But then he abuses Richardson, and I'm like, fuck you, EB. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. Because it rolls downhill. It's like kicking a puppy. You can't do that.
1: I know. That's what he does. I kind of want to know EB's backstory. (laughs) Like, I want to know, like, what happened to him to make him, like, (laughs) the way he is. Mm. I have a feeling it would not be a happy story, but no. I have a feeling he would be, uh, he would have a good hand in making his own destiny, I have a feeling.
0: Probably. Al slits New Turner's throat, he shouts to Hurst that, hey, your man went out the back way, possibly <laughs> lit out for Bismarck. It looked like Hurst was
3: believing him. Mm. Maybe, I was, maybe no, I was reading it wrong, I, I, I don't know. I not think he
0: was. Well then how's Al
3: think he can get away with this if, if he doesn't think he can get away with like shooting Hurst, like
1: He knew something was wrong, that's for sure. Like he was like what's like what kind of bullshit is he spinning this time? Because he knows
2: Al's a bullshitter.
1: Yeah,
3: but if he doesn't believe him then he's gonna know that he killed him, so how's Al get away with this? I don't think Al's worried about getting away with it. Um, then why doesn't he just shoot Hurst? <laughs> because, uh, because he can't. Like, he doesn't feel like he can. And I, he also think he, like he... I also think he feels like there there is a war coming between those two. He knows it's going to happen. And this is this is an overture to his own onslaught against Hearst. But he doesn't want to tip his hand before he's ready to move. And he doesn't want to move until Bullock's back in town and until he's got his people in order. So he's I don't think he thinks he's going to get away with it. I think he's just buying time.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's telling Hurst in this moment, I did kill your guy. Yeah, uh,
3: he's he's, definitely spinning a story that he doesn't care if it's believed. He just needs a few minutes and he kind of is throwing it in his face, too. Why doesn't he think this will get his place burned down immediately? Mm, I think it's a a risk he has to take.
1: I also think that by yelling it across the Street to him, he's um. It's one of the. It's more gamesmanship on him, on his part. The whole town has just heard that this guy is ridden out of town, apparently defecting from Hearst
0: <laughs> Where do you even find good help these days? Yeah, really. Can you believe someone would be so
3: irresponsible?
0: <laughs> he's telling Hurst that he killed this guy, but he's not telling him because he now he has deniability. But he still wants Hurst to know it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: He also tells Hurst that Alma don't need no escort or guarding. Thanks for offering. Dan and Johnny wrap Newtoner up in a rug. His next next destination is Wu. <laughs>
1: I love the comment they made about the rug. How long it lasted?
3: <laughs> <laughs> it, it was really uh, timely too, because it was also at that moment where I was thinking, it's been a long time since we've seen anything like this. Yeah,
0: haven't had a good killing in a while. For our miscellaneous prediction, again, we were counting guns fired and weapons brandished. Al takes a knife and he slits New Turner's throat. And that brings her total up to five. Hey, Seth rides back into camp. (laughs) Where where have you been all episode? Oh yeah, campaigning. So great. Why is- so he's campaigning for people
3: who don't even live in Deadwood?
1: Yeah, I don't know what that's about. Yeah, it's kind of out of nowhere. Is it is well, he's campaigning for sheriff. So, is it like a regional thing?
0: He was running for Lawrence County sheriff.
1: Okay, so it's county sheriff.
0: Mm-hmm. All
1: right, so it's a regional thing. So, we have so
0: to
1: he's in Sturgis.
0: Count. Yeah. Okay. Giving campaign speeches that, and Sturgis is where all the soldiers are camped. Mm-hmm. Bivouacked, which is a fun word to say. <laughs> it is night. Jane monologues. In her dream, she makes her way from the creek, where she went weeping after Alice scared her over Sophia, up to the number 10 saloon where Wild Bill Hickok will be shot. In the dream, Charlie tells her that Bill will be shot, because after a while, the world just tells you these things. Charlie also tells her that even in the worst of evenings, when you're most ashamed, remember the whole of the thing. Remember those moments when you're roused from your drunken stupor by Moe's manual and you escort those children to their new schoolhouse. She also remembers Joni kissing her, and Joni does that now.
3: He's so sweet. Mm. So she's just fishing for kisses. <laughs> fishing
0: for kisses.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I had a, like a whole thing in my notes about that. Jane is still being haunted by Bill's death and and what happened with the kid. But the it, guilt. Yeah, yeah, and just the guilt with Bill and and the and the morning, I mean, she was in love with the guy. And and just what happened with the child in general. You know, the responsibility of it and and the you know, Al terrorizing her and stuff. But in the end it almost did seem like she tacked that on for getting kissed.
0: Mm hmm. I also like that in her dream it's Charlie who tells her Yes. You're you feel guilty and you're sad, but think of the good things that you've done and the good things in your life. It's Charlie who has always consistently, in you know, in her day, you know, from day to day, tries to prop her up and help her, and she teases him and brushes him off as a nuisance. But he's the one in her dream trying to guide her. It's very, yeah, I really, it's very sweet.
3: I really like that. I took note of that too. It was, uh, it was appropriate that at least subconsciously she can she can deal with the fact that he is her friend.
0: Like spirit guide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jack informs the troupe a woman named Josiane will be joining them, living in, living at the theater. Claudia does not take this news well, and Jack scolds her. Why are they so pissed? <laughs> I think they're pissed because he, he does this from time to time. Adopts these ingenues to attract the audience. And they're kind of sick yeah. of it.
1: Yeah, but it's normal, but the thing, I what I felt was, like, he kind of overreacted. I mean, he was ready for them to be upset, and he came down pretty hard before they, like, he'd had it already before they even actually said anything.
0: Yeah, he doesn't treat Claudia and Bellegarde very well.
2: No. I
1: probably. mean,
0: they're kind of mopey and useless, but he doesn't treat them very well, and that it might be just sort of a self-fulfilling thing like the more he badly he treats them the more petulant they become.
1: Well, they're not useless. I mean, they do a lot of work and stuff. They're just, you know, not dynamic.
0: Right.
2: They-
1: but they also perf- are performers and and they take responsibility for different things for the troupe and stuff. So this is also the
3: scene I think in the background where Mary is leaving. Yes. Which I didn't pick up on that until the third time through. But, uh, yeah, she's she's actually behind him with her bags out and going out to the stagecoach or whatever it is. And by the time the scene's over, she's gone.
1: Yeah, I have in my notes, where is Alma going and where is she coming from? Or is she coming in or going out? I didn't really understand. I mean, she had bags.
0: You thought she was Alma?
1: Alma? It Wasn't that Alma in the background?
0: No, that was Mary. Oh, Oh, it was
1: Mary. Oh, okay, another brunette. Okay. (laughs) See? Okay, I thought it was Alma. Okay, it's Mary. That explains that. Because that was totally confusing. Okay.
0: All right, enough about them. At the Bullock household, (laughs) Seth is on edge. Saul makes small talk about restocking the livery with Hames. Martha invites them to pray and give thanks.
1: I love the fact that my note is... Seth has no idea how to react to everyday conversation at this point. <laughs> I love this gnashing of teeth and this yeah. twitching of the face. Like, so great! I love how, it. How could I you love say?
3: <laughs> how could you say he's not a good actor? Look at he, that was the most <laughs> believable like containing of rage I've ever seen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and he, he keeps looking at everyone who says something innocuous, like they've just you know come off mars I guess, know, he wasn't quite taking in what was going on around him he yeah was like pissed about the situation like he had absolutely no idea what the words coming out of Seth's mouth meant and i well, thought i thought Seth was uh i'm not Seth Saul was Saul, the, I Saul. yeah yeah i thought Saul was like like you know he's so even. It's, like, so helpful. He's, like, really thoughtful about, like, ordering the stuff for the the horse delivery, and, you know, like, it's kind of nice. I don't know. It's nice that he's there to be level-headed. Yeah. When, you know, when it's needed. That's his, And it's needed all the time.
0: That's so. his primary character trait, as to be the voice of reason and calmness. Yeah. And that's why they're such a good pair. Yes. Right. Because Seth right. needs that in his life. I do wish right. so. Saul- to do more stuff in this series. I wish I, we I
3: we spent more time with him and explored his goings on and I guess he's just not an exciting it might, guy. It might
1: be just boring. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but they could have made him exciting.
1: I don't know. I think he's delightful when he does show up. I mm-hmm. like him. Yeah. I like him too.
3: I sort uh, of liked his uh the what he was talking about at the end too, where Seth can barely deal with it, but his point the point of what he's saying is mostly You know, there's still a lot of shit we have to take care of that's fairly mundane, and you kind of have to keep your head in it, even if you're super angry.
1: Yeah, it's true. Um, You know, earlier when Trixie was like, I have to go reassure my Jew, do you think that there was, like, (laughs) do you think that there's, like, really he needed any reassuring? He always seems so, like, he's never upset about much, you know,
0: like. Oh, man.
1: I feel like Trixie just went there to reassure herself, you know, mm-hmm. to be like, I need I need him right now, so I'm just going to go see him. Mm. But she put that on him instead of putting that on her. Yeah, I, I could see you being right about
2: that. And also,
1: her being the one who tells him what's going on. Yeah. Because uh, he's kind of stuck in the hardware store and might exactly. not know what's happening. But, uh, but yeah, I could see exactly what you're saying, sure.
0: Hey, who looked up Hames? I
1: I was going to do that. I did not. What is it? Interestingly enough, that's the one that I didn't know the meaning of, rather than the other
0: two that you said, but I didn't look it up. All right, so this is what I found. A horse collar is a part of a horse harness used to distribute a load around the horse's neck and shoulders when it pulls a wagon or a plow. And the collar often... Uh, supports and pads a cur- a pair of curved metal or wood pieces called the hames to which traces of the harness are attached. So it's part of the harness around the horse's neck when it pulls things.
1: And you need to replace that often, I guess. I don't
0: know. I guess if it's, it has to do with padding.
2: Okay.
0: Two or or a simpler explanation: two curved pieces of iron or wood forming or attached to the collar of a draft horse to which the traces are attached. Huh. Okay. I, I don't know why you have to replace it. It looks like they're made of iron or wood.
1: They might break often.
0: Or get lost, or I don't know.
1: Yeah. Or as the town is getting, um, <clears throat> sorry, as the town is getting bigger, they just might have more draft horses coming in all the time. Honey, have you seen the Hames? I can't seem to find them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> have you looked in the fridge?
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's always the
0: last ways you look. <laughs> Hey, that was the episode.
2: <laughs> hmm. uh, seems to end so abruptly.
0: That was the whole thing recapped.
1: By the way, I was really impressed with Martha. Like, working woman, and then she bakes bread, makes cornbread. She, I think that was baked beans. Like, amazing woman. <laughs> Hello. She's, She's got- marriage material. <laughs> She's-
3: Unfortunately, it could just be because she has no child to care for anymore. Aww. Oh,
0: that's that's
1: a lot of work, though. She's very, you know, she's very uh, on top of it. She's organized, an organized lady.
0: She hasn't had a lot to do lately, but whenever she shows up, I'm always happy to see her. She's such a nice, nice person.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And she's she basically does the same thing for Seth that Saul does. Yes, (laughs) he's so lucky. He's surrounded by those people. (laughs) Yeah,
0: he really is. Yeah. Because oh, if
1: he, he if he was hanging around with a bad crowd, you know, like people that didn't support him, you know, as well, then he'd probably be worse off.
3: All Seth is good for is boxing people's
0: ears
2: <laughs> and being angry.
0: Being angry. Saul gets laid a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's kind of funny that Saul's relationship, uh, female companion, is kind of like Seth, a bit of a hothead. Saul's attracted to the, the hotheads the way that Seth surrounds himself with the calm, yeah, calmer people.
2: Maybe they
1: should just get together. I mean, is there, has anybody shipped Saul and Seth?
0: You mean is there some Slash fanfic out there?
1: Yeah!
0: There probably I would, is.
1: I would think,
2: somewhere.
0: <laughs> when we do our series wrap-up episode, we are going to read a little bit of Deadwood fanfiction. I'm just going to put oh, that out there. It is going like to happen. A oh my. Is it Slash? Uh no, it wasn't.
1: Aww. It was... <laughs> Why not?
0: <laughs> is it involved a lot of Con Stapleton?
2: Oh,
3: she- <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't think so.
0: <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, the piece <laughs> I found is called uh, "Con Stapleton's Boner," but no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so your predictions from last time for a constant throb, Carol predicted something related to her's back. Yeah or that the whole town will be throbbing with anger and upset. They were, in a sense. Yeah, but... But, Carol, that's pretty vague. uh, Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty vague. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt predicted that the doc invents Viagra. Johnny takes them and it lasts longer than four hours. (laughs) You were pretty close, because it did relate to an erection.
3: Yeah. That's true. That that couldn't get rid of, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> it, was, it wasn't
1: Johnny, though. Do you think? Do you think that Con took Viagra by accident? I guess, like an early version.
0: He's been sex crazed ever since uh, he got laid at the beginning of the season.
1: Yeah, and uh <gasps> yeah, he's got he's got yeah. a sex addiction.
0: Mm-hmm. They're
1: going to have to have an intervention next episode. If they had something that worked as well as Viagra, they wouldn't have been looking for all the aphrodisiac
0: foods True. in the world,
1: and, you know, oh, oysters, aphrodisiac. Oysters, yeah. That's why the old. talked oysters. Maybe that's why oysters are so popular in Deadwood. <laughs> yeah.
0: Matt, you also predicted that Seth has a headache brought upon by stress and the veins in his forehead get bigger and bigger throughout the episode.
1: It, well, at the end, it, It's the like you. I've seen this episode.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> also, the veins in Khan's penis. Okay, never mind. Uh, <laughs>
2: There even any veins was that
0: was, that a real penis? <laughs> <It> was not <laughs> and you can see a screenshot of it on the Facebook group
3: I think I think that's part of his uh his hernia I think that's a part of his uh, his abdomen that's hanging down over his leg Aww, That makes
2: it worse
0: <laughs> Oh Nutty just commented on the screenshot she says oh man I missed that and I could have lived my life missing that <laughs>
3: <laughs> Too
0: bad We've revealed yeah. it to you.
1: Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we did not miss it.
0: I did. I didn't pay attention.
1: No, well, Mel and I did not miss it. Yeah, we saw it. The women in the group did not miss it. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like we were looking for a boner. <laughs> no, it came out and just said, hey, try <laughs> <out.">
3: just <laughs> <laughs> hey, like
1: ladies. Guys, it was like 3D. Like it just comes <laughs> right out at <laughs> you.
0: Maybe that's your... Is that going to be your character of the episode?
2: (laughs) Maybe I'll think about it.
0: Mel predicted that a leviathan would burst from her back and people will develop bodily deformities, pulsating heads and backs.
1: Little did she know that it was really Khan that that was going to happen with. And it wasn't his back.
2: There there was a bodily deformity.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It was a
2: leviathan.
0: It was also a pulsating head.
2: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs)
1: I win. <laughs> you had the wrong person, Mel. <laughs> Shit.
0: No, she didn't spe- oh yeah, she did. She, she specified first. Yeah.
1: And it was con. Oh. But you were right about about I it's had con. the wrong person. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I guess she could get the point.
0: And our miscellaneous prediction, guns fired and weapons brandished. Um Mel and Matt both said three. Carol predicted five. And I counted five.
1: Oh. Ah. oh wow.
0: So the point goes to Carol.
1: Wait while it lasts. Congratul Oh yeah.
0: boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <too late. laughs> that, sounds- that sounds like a threat. Yeah. She's
3: gonna come for your points. Yeah.
2: I'm not I'm tired of hunting for feedbackers. Now I want all the points. <laughs> well,
1: you got a point that you shouldn't have even gotten,
0: so Oh, when was That's
1: this? Oh. oh it's on, Carol. it's on. Not, it's just, no, I mean, settle and down, I, you
6: hooples.
2: I would have said you should get it, so you know, back off. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's looking for it. She's looking for me to steal her point.
0: <laughs> All right, feedback. Let's see. Well, why don't we uh have Jonathan read this one? And this one is from Nutty. She sent it a couple weeks ago.
3: Okay, now here is an episode where stuff happens. Wow. I was not expecting that, but I think this episode brings out the best and worst in all of our characters. We see their true selves and how they react to Alma being shot. Al jumps to her aid and shields her with his own body, and he finds a way to not just piss off Hurst, but to give her some of her power back, moving her from target and a victim that Hurst wanted her to be, still mad that she wouldn't sell him her claim and the whole telling her he rape her business, to a person of strength and power. His game didn't work, and she's still on top. I love how Alma is a celebrity at the gem, and how the girls all want to know about her, and insist she talk to them because she's just that great. How Jewel fawned upon her, and then Trixie played up to Jewel's wants, and that was cute. I think Trixie and Alma are back to being BFS, and Alma and Ellsworth will be back together again. I really like how Dan knocked out Ellsworth and then tied him up until he wouldn't kill Hearst. Everyone making sure Sophia was okay was great, but poor Martha... Just had to worry all day, not knowing why armed guard after armed guard was coming to <laughs> school. Joni and Jane were adorable, and I kind of love Jane's dream. Don't just remember the middle part. Remember the whole dream. Remember the good and the bad, but remember the good. She wanted Joni to kiss her again, and that makes me so happy. Uh, yes. Me too. Me too, I,
0: Oh, it does. They're they're
3: a great pair. They're so sweet. So, Langrisha's Mary, is that his wife or daughter? If wife, why is it so difficult? I've never been happier to see Al kill someone. Well, maybe if he'd kill Psy, but this was just great. Standing up for all of the characters we love, uh, citing Woo, Merrick, and Alma, Richardson was adorable as ever, scared Al will stab him in the eye, and yet would have taken it. Johnny has to tell him he's being sarcastic, so cute. Farnham Mm. is as pathetic as ever. Those are his true colors. Hurst is an evil man, and I really just want him to suffer.
0: Yes.
1: Yes. You know what? We did kind of skip over that whole Al killing the guy we got involved with the gun thing. I have to agree with, uh, it was Nutty, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Nutty. I
1: have, I have to agree with Nutty that uh, I really was happy to see that guy get killed. Don't tell my students.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Isolate that audio.
1: Isolate that
0: audio. Isolate that audio.
1: No, I just, you know, I realized that, you know, it, it was kind of a, a relief that finally, you know, somebody is it was like progress was being made because he took out somebody that was important to Hurst Hurst. And uh y- you know, that that could make a difference to Hurst's thing and, and the guy was was horrible too.
0: He was horrible but he was employed to be horrible. Right. He hated the old Turner far more.
2: Well
1: we this saw more
0: guy, of the old turner yes, yes, we did. This guy felt like such a just a, a flunky. Like I really had no strong feelings one way or the other.
1: But he was a flunky who would do anything, he had no conscience, he would do anything that Hearst wanted him to do. It surprised me that he was like, oh, I was a part of this New York regiment, and blah 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 blah, and then as soon as he got kicked in the balls, he's like, I'll tell you everything! (laughs) So, I kind of like, almost didn't, like, it's like he was bragging about being all badass, but I almost don't buy it anymore. Like, it's almost like he lied about it, maybe. Well Maybe I mean, maybe was. he didn't, maybe he's just got like really severe like like PTSD about, you know. Well, uh, I mean, Al you know? had done a whole lot more than just, you know, what he he did some major damage to that man's body before yeah. the guy started talking. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I don't even like I to think about it. I just expected him to last a little longer than he did, like to not cave in to torture. Yeah. I mean, does he really have any reason to hold out? I mean it's not like he's, you know, fighting for God and country or something. True. This guy hired him. He yeah. paid him money and now he's getting he might be getting killed for it. Yeah. And he he talked to Hurst about the possibility of this and Hearst had assured him that no, no, it you know, it's gonna be fine. Yeah, yeah. And then had humiliated him. So,
3: you know I think it's clear that uh, David Milch is really just anti-Irish.
5: <laughs>
3: Was that it? I actually, I I will say, I did wonder a little bit about the exchange between Sweringen and, um, and Barrett because of the fact that he asks if that's a Nick regiment.
0: You know what, Jonathan, I think you're onto something, because in the very first episode... Tim Driscoll was an Irishman and he ended up dead. And then we had an Irishman very predominantly who shat his pants and hid his pants under rocks. Right. And He's, also Shaughnessy's is a, a Shaughnessy. is a giant hippo- you know and, religious uh, zealot. Gross. Okay, I didn't
1: realize that that was like a derogatory term for an Irishman.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, Mick? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, mm. And Swearingen you know is that's
3: uh, cool? yeah. Yeah. British and of course there's the longest allegedly. between, yeah, <laughs> yes. yes, allegedly British.
1: That's a good point. Because it's never what? really been proven. But, uh, yeah, Mick is definitely a, uh, but it's not as bad as a whole lot of others.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: Next feedback is from Harold. And why don't we have Matt read this one?
3: Overall, this was a pretty solid episode after some meandering over the last few episodes with the Odell and Earp plots that didn't pay off. I failed to address Stephen Tobolowsky in my last feedback, but this episode gives me a chance to redress that error. In watching his scenes in a constant throb, it occurred to me that the way that he is playing Commissioner Jari? Jari. Jari really contrasts with Gerald McRaney's performance as Hearst, And when they are together in the same scene, the clash of styles is heightened. When he is in a a scene with Farnham, Tolliver, or one of the whores, yes, he may come across as a bit goofy, but it manages to work. But the same lack of seriousness in the presence of Hearst is jarring, because it is hard to believe that anyone would act so frivolous in the presence of someone so intense, and always on the verge of exploding in rage. I liked how the Gem brain trust determined that the Pinkertons' intention wasn't to kill Alma, but to rile Bullock and Ellsworth to attack Hearst so that they could kill them in self-defense. A pretty smart plan. However, after the captain's replacement was killed, I'm not so sure that Hearst's next plan will be so elaborate. Was that Janine from Cincinnati an in-joke? I'm wondering if W. Earl Brown, who got credit for this episode's script, had read the script for the John from Cincinnati pilot and thought it should be renamed Stupid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Oh, and it just ends. No, there's a a ranking at the end there. Uh, It didn't come through. He says, I give this 8 out of 10 trips to the Terrace to pass wind.
2: (laughs) Nice. And gross.
0: Well, anyone want to comment on uh, Harold's feedback?
4: I don't disagree. Yeah,
0: I agree. Yeah, it (laughs) it is a, a stark contrast when you put the two of them together.
3: I don't know. I sort of felt that that made Stephen Tobolowski's acting the character more, more realistic in part because he's never seemed like a very serious character and I don't think that he has, I don't think he has a good sense of when he's in danger. Like, I genuinely think his, his, uh, expects his position to protect him. Um, and especially the fact that he can provide a service to Hearst. I think he, I think he feels safer than he actually is. That's
2: funny. I I
1: felt the opposite uh, when it came. I feel like he thinks he's invulnerable most of the time. But with Hurst, he knew he was. That's why he goes so far overboard, sucking up to hmm. him, and then will switch gears as quickly as he can, try and make sure that he's saying the right thing and all of that. I get the feeling he he's used to dealing with very important people and used to sucking up over way over and beyond what's needed um, all the time. Hmm.
0: He reminds me a lot of E.B., and that they both kind of flounder for words, and then they posture and contort themselves, like, physically contort themselves.
3: Mm. Like some sort of strange bird? (laughs)
0: Like a a bird, or if you remember, earlier in the season, when E.B. was at the counter in in his hotel, he was, like, lowering his body, like, bending over, trying to, supplicate, like, put himself yeah. underneath, physically lower himself, cowered by this, you know, presence. It just, it reminds me a lot of, like, the two characters seem a lot alike, That's what I'm trying to say.
3: I want to see EB have that spit on his face for the rest of the, the season.
0: Mmm, he might. I really, really
3: don't. <laughs> I think it would be honest as a character representation, and I think it would be horrible and I don't <laughs> want to see it.
0: <laughs> Mel, how about you read this one from Hasso?
3: Sure.
2: Hi
1: guys! Feedback for this week's episode. It started off with a bang, literally, with the shots being fired at or to intimidate Alma. I thought Silas kept in character really well, almost slipping in the mud at one point when rushing to Al's help. Hurst, so crudely avert in his half-hearted, half-hearted feigned surprise when speaking to with a Yankton representative, he's really tightening his grip now. Man, Al is such a smooth player, the way he takes control of this crisis, brings Alma back down to earth, and sets up a brilliant immediate counter move. Kind of like the final rounds in boxing, where both fighters need to open up in order to gain ascendancy, or risk losing the fight. The decision to put forward that Alma complete the walk to the bank, unassisted, definitely shows Al's sophisticated decision making. (laughs) Do you cross the threshold and escalate the situation by going into lockdown? while in Al's case, knowing he's severely underarmed, and as a result, adversely impact the commerce and culture of your town, or do you handle it with nuance, negating the effects by going uh,
2: about. about about
1: daily business so as not to minimize that dissemination of fear to the town folk? Going with the latter was certainly a slap in the face to Hurst.
0: Yes, it was. Yeah, this kind of goes back to that whole question of why doesn't he just attack Hurst? Because it would disrupt his business. Because he's still making money, mm-hmm. and that's really what motivates him. Oh yeah, making money in the camp. So if he can figure out a way to to not engage Hurst, that would be fine by him. Yeah. And he's looking for all the angles, and he just can't seem to find one. So he's just trying to stall. Mm-hmm. That's why he doesn't just snipe him from his fart patio. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. And while getting to that decision, the atmosphere created in the gem by Alma's presence was done really well. The whores looking around, Jewel making the most of the opportunity, and putting together a mix-and-match (laughs) brekkie. Alma's expression herself, shocked, but still keeping it together and quickly readjusting and providing some rational responses to the situation. So much going on, but it all just flowed in those scenes. After the high of last week, poor Richardson comes back down to reality, being thrown into the rigmarole. How on earth could he be expected to remember complicated messages? (laughs) Poor Richardson. And poor Ellsworth, another episode where he's emasculated, having to sit it out on the sidelines as a worthless pawn. So easy to see the helplessness in his expression. There was so much macho-ness in this episode, too. The, quote, Mexican standoff as Alma's... Alma walked through the thoroughfare to complete her trip to the bank. New Turner vs. Hurst, with his poor joke. <laughs> New Turner surrounded by Al and his men at the gym. New Turner versus Al in his office. <laughs> Great poise, expressions, and mannerisms throughout. That's just classic Western. E.B. is frequently the vessel to vent one's frustration on, isn't he? The verbal beating Hurst gave him in many ways surpasses the physical one by Seth. Standing there with phlegm on his face after being unable to placate Hearst's barrage, E.B. is left utterly broken. That sigh and collapse of his shoulders said it all. Brilliant acting all around. Such an intimidating scene. And that ending? Gold! Someone had to find a gif of it. Or someone has to find a gif of it. Its title would be something like, Keep it together, Seth. (laughs) 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 I'd love to see the outtakes or bloopers for that scene. It was one full minute of wide-eyed bullock looks of disbelief from Saul to Martha and back again. And then Martha somehow breaking through his trance to let him know he's actually at their dinner table and it's probably time to eat. Fantastic. (laughs) Excellent episode. 9 out of 10. Poor jokes in front of your boss. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Hasso. (laughs)
0: also reading of the episode is a lot like mine you just you skip over the theater people and just pick up on the on the good stuff yeah, yeah. it's how you gotta that's how you gotta do it it's how you gotta get through the last uh batch
1: mm-hmm. i do love that last scene
0: <laughs> and we have one last email this one's from barb and carol i'll have you read this one
1: okie dokie hi hoopleheads I didn't set out to summarize the episode, but it turned out to be the only way I could explain what I want to say. Please bear with me.
2: Okay.
1: This episode could have been great, except that the pacing is a mess. It starts out confusing over whatever happened to Sy's wound. It's more puzzling with whatever it is that Jack wants at Shaughnessy's, and then it goes 0 to 60 in shock and suspense as bullets begin to whiz past Alma in the thoroughfare. The action and tension built as the townsfolk react and immediately begin to respond, but quietly and off the street. The men confer and strategize as Trixie stays with Alma, Jane and Joni stand guard outside the schoolhouse, and Jewel and the gem girls chatter about Alma like teeny boppers discussing a pop star. She'd have fucking talk to us! It's all character-focused, intense, and wonderful. Hearst is behind the shootings, of course. Gleefully waiting for reactions from the camp for the excuse to kill Ellsworth and Bullock, Al figures this out and proposes that they all pretend that the shootings caused no alarm. It's a genius response, and we see Hurst rapidly unravel like a sy- psychopathic toddler with a faulty jack-in-the-box. Al then turns the tables as he secretly kills New Turner, and then it all screeches to a dead stop. Jack has a series of context contextless conversations about things that don't seem important stapleton begs rita sue for sex through a door and then sigh is horrible to janine from cincinnati hey janine from cincinnati that has a ring to it don't you think not sex through a door as such though stapleton who knows and who cares the momentum is gone it may as well have been fed to woo's pigs alongside new turner time has Seth still in front of his first fit of blind fists and teeth clenching rage as Saul and Martha try to pretend that he's behaving normally. He is. <laughs> 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 it's awkward. Feels like it's come out of nowhere. And he's going to have such a case of indigestion. <laughs> Six out of ten drama patches for Dan's intended.
0: Oh. Right, because Dan has a, a girlfriend in. Cheyenne, was it?
1: Uh, and, uh, I, yeah, it, yeah, Cheyenne,
0: I guess. Yeah, and and she can't travel by stagecoach because the the turbulence oh, right. makes her want to vomit. Right. So another person saying that Janine from Cincinnati is linked to David Milch's next show, John from Cincinnati, which I had not picked up on before. You guys or, sent in feedback, so that's or pretty else cool.
1: WKRP in Cincinnati.
0: Okay, <laughs> I don't think I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I think Janine from Cincinnati and John from Cincinnati is a connection that makes sense. Hey,
1: just throwing it out there. <laughs> Might as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a cool theory that those that that name is purposeful. And we also skipped over Johnny's funny line about the jack in the box, where he says, "Yeah, I had a jack in the box, and I would turn the handle, and it wouldn't come out." And everyone <laughs> in the gem is like. They just ignored him. Basically. Great story, Johnny. <laughs> Good story, bro. <laughs> cool story, bro. Yeah.
3: When was that? I don't remember that exactly. At all. You were like Ugh.
0: Carol did oh. it too.
1: <laughs> I thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember even hearing that.
0: Okay, I, I thought Johnny was pretty funny this whole episode.
2: Yeah, he was. Huh.
0: And when he said to Richardson, he doesn't mean it.
2: Yeah, he's just- oh, oh yeah,
0: that was it. Yeah. Was really sweet. It's like how yeah. you would talk to a child. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, great feedback everyone. Yes, thank you. Thank you, nutty Harold, Hasso and Barb. Love hearing from you guys. Hey, you want to get heard on the uh, on your podcast? Why don't you send a message to hooplecast at gmail.com. Only uh two episodes left. Why would you not? Why would you not want to be a part of podcasting history?
1: <laughs> <laughs> history in the making. <laughs>
0: After all, we are the only Deadwood podcast on the... Oh, no, that's right. We're no longer the only Deadwood podcast. (laughs) (laughs) What are your...
3: Imposters! What are your thoughts on this?
0: This, uh, these events? Uh... Or Deadwood podcast showing up? Uh, at first I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I expected it would happen. I mean, the show is theoretically going to come back, so it makes sense that there would be a podcast about it. But the fact that they were going to call themselves Hoopleheads was like, oh, well, hmm, that's pretty close to our name.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's a little, it's
0: not quite but, right. But you know what? It turns out that they're not their own thing. They're not their own podcast. They're just a, a, going to be a series of episodes, part of something called the Movie Fail Podcast. So it's like the subtitle huh. of their podcast. So hmm. if you were to go on and search for that podcast you might find our podcast which is good also I listened to their first episode and they're really not like us so okay we go really in depth we're going scene by scene we're talking about history and the background of the show and they're just two guys kind of talking about it so you know that's fine
1: yeah so there's plenty of room in this in this world
0: for all kinds of stuff so
1: is there is there there is there is I
0: about that. It was nice being ah. sp- special and unique for a good, solid year.
1: <laughs> yeah, someone has to take our place, I guess, once we're done with this. It doesn't make us any less special. No. I truly believe
0: that. I think we, we've done a lot of analysis that is going to be of great value to <laughs> veteran viewers and new viewers of the show. So I'm happy about that. Okay. I'm happy, guys. It's been a fun ride. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It has been a fun ride, that I, absolutely, it really has, I'm, uh, I've really been enjoying this show all the way along. I'm getting sad,
0: guys. I know no. we're not, we're not giving <laughs> up, like, completely, we're still gonna do some podcasting together, but still, it's not gonna be quite the same, it's gonna be...
3: It'll never be the same again! Oh my god, come <laughs> here!
0: Come <laughs> here, and cry. Come here!
3: Oh, am so glad I was here for this moment.
0: Oh, We miss you too, Jonathan, because you were a new viewer, you know, and and you came along for the ride with us, and we really appreciate it. I really appreciate you and all the other all the other folks out there.
3: It's also fun to sort of have someone to talk to about this show that's 10 years old that I didn't watch at the time. Right. Because <laughs> no one yes. else is watching it.
0: Yeah, that's the best part about this format, oh, the yeah. intro cast format, is that it gives you an excuse to watch something. But not in a bubble, not by yourself. You get to experience it with other people watching it for the first time. And it's a shared experience that doesn't really happen with older shows because everyone's seen whatever they've seen. So people just kind of watch them all by themselves and then it just goes and it's done. So this becomes a almost like you were watching it when it aired, which is pretty cool. So mm-hmm. anyway, thanks again for the feedback. Let's move on to episode ratings. Jonathan, give us your rating.
3: I really, I really enjoyed this episode, except for, I think I'm taking off fewer points than Barb did for the, uh, the theater troupe. I'm taking off about two points. Um, I I really found that to be annoying and it didn't, it didn't move anything along. Um, but other than the pacing problems caused by that, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it, it hung together pretty well. I'm gonna go ahead and, uh, and give it about eight out of ten pins in the eye.
2: Oh! (laughs) Oh
0: <laughs> Carol, what's your rating? um I also liked this
2: episode. I liked a lot better than the uh than the
1: other one that uh, last week's um and uh there were a bunch of things I liked about it. I liked uh well pretty much everything except the theater troupe um and specifically all the brunettes that I was getting confused with um but I went with uh 8 out of 10 celebrity bankers.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. And that reminds me that uh, your song at the end should be Mike Doty's Tremendous Brunettes.
0: I'm not familiar with that song. I will put it on the list. Tremendous Brunettes. Mike Doty. Done. D- Mike Doty. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I'm not using
2: it. <laughs> <Just being> blunt.
0: <laughs> Everyone should look it up. Uh, I don't know. I haven't decided on a song for this one, so we'll see. I usually don't have anything in mind until I listen back to our conversation, and then I try and pick out something. Something hopefully obscure, and sometimes I just can't find anything, so I just pick something mood-appropriate.
1: We didn't talk about the music at the end of this one. The, it, it didn't seem to fit
3: the... Other, uh, other pieces of yeah, music it's, didn't fit the, the, the production
1: values were like kind of 90s or something, I don't know. <laughs> well,
3: it just sounded like a more modern but, Yeah, song.
1: it did. But the words... Words. Or listen to the words because Matt always shuts off the <laughs> credits, and I never get to listen to the song.
0: <laughs> oh, well, Matt, don't well, do that.
1: Well, I'll yeah, save the first. Oh, a... I'll save the first line for uh, quotes. Okay. Okay. And you'll see why I thought it was interesting.
0: Oh, that will be the first time someone's quoted the song from the end credits. Ha Oh. The name of the song is called "Dangerous Mood" by Keb Mo. I'm not familiar with it. Um, Matt, what is your rating? Uh,
3: I really like this episode. Um, it's probably one of my favorites of the season. Could be my favorite, I'm not sure. Uh, except for, yes, of course, the acting people. I'm just gonna pretend they don't exist from here on out. That just... was
0: wise choice.
3: That's <laughs> <laughs> what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna rate the episode as if they weren't even there. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I liked everything that happened. It was some high-stakes stuff, some exciting scenes and some great character stuff, uh, I'll give it a 9 out of 10 farts on the patio.
0: Very good. That is not your favorite episode of the, so far, at least according to the ratings, because you gave episode 2 a 10. Oh, I don't remember what happened. At the time, it was very strange that you did, but I just went with it.
1: <laughs> Mel. Yeah. Hi. I like this episode a lot. Hi! Hi. I like Hi! This- uh, Too. I don't. I don't think it's like it's obviously not a perfect episode. It's got a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very confused throughout. But yeah, I should be watching these episodes twice instead of just once. Yeah, that's my should. own fault. That's my own fault, though. So I am going to give it an eight point five out of ten. Reassured Jews.
0: There, there. <laughs> that character. was my rating. Damn it! <laughs> oh,
1: wow. You can still use it. Do you want I me to know. change?
0: no 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 that's fine
1: I'll give it a 8.5 out of 10 uh, toast and eggs and bacon and, and bacon and toast and eggs <laughs>
0: okay oh <laughs> uh, that's fine um, <laughs> that was my second rating damn it no I'm just kidding Uh, uh yeah I really like this episode because Alma walking down the thoroughfare is one of the like iconic scenes from the series the entire series in my mind Moments that I think about when I think about this last stretch of episodes. I don't like, I was telling you when I said the last four episodes were so good. Like, I don't even think about the theater people. They're like, they're not even on my radar. So, but I mean, they're obviously in the episode, and that's unfortunate because they drag it down. But when they're not on screen, it's really good. (laughs) Um, I liked Jane's dream, and that Charlie is her spirit guide, and the kiss from Joni. The horrors I, keep wanting, I probably shouldn't call them the horrors because that's kind of, you know, disrespectful. The he, ladies! The, working, the, ladies the, the working ladies! They were they were great. That scene when they're just talking about Alma as though she were a celebrity and just admiring her, and all of that was just really fantastic. And overall, I think this is pretty solid. Uh I'm tempted to give it an you know what, I'm gonna give it a 9.25. I've never done it before, but yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go 9.25, because I can't give it a 9.5, but it's little better than a nine so nine point two five out of ten expectorates in the face that you can't wipe off gross Uh, all right uh character of the episode jonathan
3: um i hate to be redundant but charlie utter I, i i loved his sort of his own moral quandary as he decided he wasn't taking orders from uh from al but he still went out and guarded the children uh i i liked the way he dealt with uh with Jane, and I like the fact that he was Jane's spirit animal in her in her dream, her spirit guide.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, yeah, I, it, it worked for me. Carol?
1: Um, I was torn because Al, we've done so much, but he really did shine in this episode. I mean, he was jumping off balconies, and he was killing guys, bad guy Pinkertons, and all that. But then there was Jewel, <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, yes,
1: I mean, she was only in it a little bit, but it, I mean, she was just so you know She's got such a personality, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, she could just be in that one scene and just you know, I see her radiant face right there um, I, I think I have to go with Al, though I think I have to go with Al
0: Perfect. Done. It is in the spreadsheet
1: All right I can't take it back now. Nope. Good to have that off my plate.
3: <laughs> Matt. I agree, I'm going with Al. As soon as he jumped off that balcony and ran to Almazade, I'm like, Yeah, nope. it's old. <laughs> it's
1: so- <laughs> yep. Yeah.
0: Mel, how about you?
1: The boner, the boner. Oh. <laughs> the boner.
0: <Yeah.
1: laughs> I'm just kidding. I was <laughs> gonna Hold say, on. Mel, you're just too easy.
0: Yeah, that, and I was gonna say, when I said that it could be your character, I was also kidding. I'm not putting that on the spreadsheet. <laughs> oh,
1: come on. Didn't you put, in the first season, didn't you put, like, wasn't there, like, a, a tornado or something? Or no. There
0: was, like, some sort of a,
1: there was some sort of, like, weather thing, and I remember picking that.
3: The boner has its own motivations and it, desires. It does,
1: it does. Yeah. It, it controls
0: constantly. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: like, I can't, I can't control myself! <laughs>
0: <laughs> um i know you predicted a flood but for your character yeah. of the episode i know in the first season you did pick the titty licker and the whore that leaks piss when she giggles <laughs> Wow! <laughs> and this season you did pick the horse that kicks steve in the head but because that was a, that was a living thing i did allow you to count oh, that is a living thing. sorry no it's not
3: also that was a good choice
0: <laughs> yeah uh, i'm sorry who's your real character
1: yeah, I, I kind of have to go with Al as well, because he's just such a hero.
0: Very cool. Yeah. I like how in the first season, Mel predicted that she would never pick Al, but she's picked him three times this season. Because he's great.
1: Yeah, he is great.
0: Uh, I am going to go a different direction. I'm going to pick Alma. And you it. Yeah, you knew it? Understandably. I have, haven't picked her all season. Her like about I love her. I love her. <laughs> Well, I
1: mean, she deserves it just for that walk down the street. Absolutely. She was yeah. pretty great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was, absolutely. Yep. It was brave, and she did it for the good of the camp as much as herself. And she's just still pretty fucking hot. So, yeah. Let's go on to quotes, Jonathan. Guest right, Sammy. You may go first. In
3: my dream, I was clambering up the side of a creek bed, which is often required of a drunk... That's my quote. I almost quoted the entire thing, but then I thought that was self indulgent, and no. so I'm, I'm lazy.
0: You you could, though, if you wanted to.
3: I, I didn't memorize the whole thing. <laughs> okay. once, yeah. I, once I decided I wasn't going to, I did not try and memorize right. the whole thing. All right, Carol. Um, You seem distraught.
1: I am not!
3: <laughs> Mel.
1: I have this exchange between Jewel and Al. <clears throat> toasted eggs or toasted bacon? She can choose, or she can mix them, whatever she wants. Why the fuck are you telling me?
2: <laughs> yeah. Every step of fucking adventure. <laughs>
5: yeah.
3: Oh, that's great.
0: Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, <on> <laughs> <gasps> uh, Matt, how's your back, Mister Hurst? How's the fucking back there, pal? <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> was gonna, I was going to do that if no one else took that one. I know. All yeah. oh, my all oh, my quotes are being taken. <laughs> um. All right, so I guess I'll, I guess I'll do Constable then. I prayed it would pass, but it's a constant fucking sore spot and throb. You are a constant vision before me, you and your fabulous bosoms. I beg you, release your man stallion from his he stable for another gallop around the ring. Oh God! <laughs> oh, gross! That
2: should have been my reading. Man stallions released from he stables. Oh, <laughs> uh. uh, so gross. <laughs> are, there any, are there any other quotes? Sure. Okay, go ahead.
1: Um, Al says, "Just says woo," and the answer is, "Longest rug has lasted."
3: <laughs> oh, I had, I had one. So, do you see how irresponsible of me it would have been to allow you full fucking freedom of movement?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Perhaps then, rather at this moment, you are Socrates to my Alcibiades, taking it upon yourself to edify me. Are you saying you want to fuck me? What? While well, you keep calling yourself Alcibiades to my Socrates, are you proposing some sort of homosexual connection between us? I forgot that part of the story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the last two lines, the last line of the episode and the first line of the music after the great scene with Seth, that deadpan reading by Martha of... Let's give thanks. (laughs) And the next line of the music is, I'm in a dangerous mood.
0: Oh, was that the song that you were going to quote? Yep. I'm in a dangerous mood. Okay.
1: Right, which is why when you said the title, I'm like, okay, well, that's half the quote. Mm. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that's what comes on immediately after that scene is, I'm in a dangerous mood. I was like, yeah, that's appropriate.
0: I really love how Charlie yells at Alma and says, Make yourself fucking small, Mrs. Ellsworth. <laughs> and I was like, keep your fucking head down. <laughs> and then there, later on, there's this scene where Al is, is using uh, colorful language. And then he has to sort of remind himself that, oh, yes, I'm in the presence of a lady.
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> He's done that before in front of Alma. Uh-huh. Yeah. Remember the tea? Yes. Oh, yeah. He yeah.
3: was also horrible being shot at. It never gets any
2: fucking
0: easier, <laughs> yeah, I like how these these guys are in her corner. they're taking her in, keeping her safe.
1: well, she's become a pillar of the community, and uh, pillars being shot is just bad for the town's reputation, among other things. What happened to the bank if she's
2: if she's dead?
0: Mhm before she eats, she somersaults and don't want no one to see. <laughs> <laughs> That would be amazing if that was true. (laughs) I know. Um, right. well, that's it for quotes. Um, In one week's time, yes, we're going to be back here next Sunday, we're going to be talking about episode 35, The Catbird Seat. What the fuck?
1: What? Sorry, say that again?
0: It's episode 35, The Catbird Seat.
1: The Catbird Seat? The
0: Catbird Seat.
1: as in a possessive.
0: The cat? The cat no, cat the, no. It's a noun. It's the catbird seat.
1: Okay, I was thought the expression I, I don't know what that.
0: Use it in a sentence. I am going to tell you what it means.
1: It, it's an expression.
0: It is an expression.
1: It, because I hear, I hear the word catbird and the word seat. Yes. No, it's two words: catbird and seat.
0: Uh, I will use it in a sentence. The next episode we are covering in the podcast is called "The Catbird Seat." <laughs> 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 Uh no, it it means uh, to be in an enviable position, to have the upper hand, to be in a great advantage. Yep. To be on top.
2: You just explain the next episode.
0: Yeah. Well, that's.
2: Who I is in the father. catbird seat? I see. I always thought
1: it was possessive uh, when whenever I heard that expression used, I always thought it was possessive. So it's not. Okay. Good to know.
0: Position of great prominence or advantage in the yeah. wake of the natural disaster the obscure bureaucrat was suddenly and unexpectedly thrust into the catbird seat sitting pretty you might say mm-hmm.
1: there's a, there's a, a bird, an actual type of bird called a catbird
0: yes mm-hmm. okay go on oh i are you it, predicting
1: <laughs> no i'm just looking it up oh okay No, there is an an actual- an, it has a tendency to uh to imitate um like like a mockingbird does it makes sounds like animals and, you know, people and oh, stuff. that
0: is a shifty feline. <laughs> oh, an it's actual- a bird. No, it's a bird. It's an actual listen,
1: There's a video here. of a
0: Wait, okay, it's a gray cat bird voicing cat-like sounds.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Oh, and FYI, Wildwood what? Metro Park, they used to go there all the time.
1: Oh,
0: yeah? Yeah, that was right by my house.
1: Nice. So you know about the catbird then? Um, so it's your like your it's almost like your close personal friend. So this episode is going to be about your close personal friend, the catbird. You guys, have how he likes to sit down. <laughs> you guys <laughs> got a very specific seat that he likes to sit in, and you're going to tell us all about it next episode. Okay. <laughs> tune in guys, tune in.
3: It's going to we'll be really. You interesting. Guys, come for come for the Deadwood talk. Stay for the ornithological uh, facts. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Exactly. So you guys,
1: you guys don't know
5: cat birds?
0: Is that nobody? I guess not. No, nope. uh, we don't. Oh, okay. okay. We don't. None of us like birds. We're not bird people.
3: <laughs> I, actually, <laughs> i I, like I, I specifically I specifically hate birds. Oh, really? Among Is the it... things that I hate, which we have discussed on uh, so far today, birds are terrible. They're the worst. Mm-hmm.
0: Really? Well, they used to be dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They can't be trusted. No, things that used to be dinosaurs are not good.
1: There's an actual, there's a, a comic book coming out by Margaret Atwood called uh, Angel Catbird. <laughs> I just saw this recently in the news. It's like a man that's got, like, a cat face and, like, wings.
0: It's really weird looking.
1: Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah, she's yeah. a weirdo. Um... <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> so I said I, it, uh... I said it. Yeah, Margaret Atwood is a weirdo. She's a
2: delightful weirdo,
0: though. <laughs> oh, she's delightful, uh, to be sure. And she's probably a genius, but, I mean... She's a little bit weird, um, and of course i I told my story, and Jonathan, you heard this of when the bird flew into my head, oh yeah, right, yeah, so
1: yeah, I don't have a problem with birds. I took an ornithology class, and I've done birding up and down the oregon coast and and uh birding yeah. around the
0: country, and stuff. I don't have a problem with birds, so I think we got Mel's prediction sort of i can be sort of advice. if you you if you want to, you may expand.
1: I think there's going to be like so the Catbird is like uh like this uh character from a popular children's book and people are going to cosplay and there's going to be a co- a cosplay contest <laughs> and people are going to dress up as the Catbird and whoever wins gets to sit in the Catbird seat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and where is the Catbird seat? Where is it located um, in the camp?
1: Um well they're going to make one uh I think it should be. Hmm, where should it be? Like maybe like on a hill, up on a hill somewhere. Make it kind of fancy. Okay. Yeah, and they're going to decorate it with like all the little gold nuggets that they found. That.
0: <laughs> okay, a golden catbird seat way up high.
1: Yeah, way up high
0: for on the winning for the winning cosplayer. <laughs> From, the children- <laughs> From the children's book that they all read. Okay. All right. Well, it's it's. It's plausible. Uh, Matt, <laughs> what is your prediction?
3: Uh, what's the... Uh, Langriche is going to round up all the brunettes in town oh, and <laughs> conscript them into the theater. That's it? Yeah. He's going he's to build an army of, of, brunettes? of brunette actors. And, they're gonna and we're not going to be able town. to tell them apart. No.
1: You know, Matt, this is probably one of the first times that you were not able to tell a brunette apart, because usually you can't tell blondes apart.
3: Mm. usually. What's mm. going to happen is all of the all of the brunettes are going to imitate each other. Oh, God. They're going to be known as the catbirds.
0: <laughs> hmm. Oh, I like a gang. I like a gang of brunettes.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: I like it. Okay. Carol, do you have a prediction?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go with it being ironic. Uh, the the whole Somebody being in the catbird seat, somebody being in the, you know, position of, of being in such great, a great position. Um, I'm gonna go with Al saying it and, and being ironic when he's like sarcastic when he's talking about somebody being in a catbird seat. I mean, the other option was that somebody actually does end up in good, in a good position, but I don't, it's the second to last episode. If it was the last episode, I'd say, yeah.
0: So So, you think that things are going to get worse for our heroes?
1: Yeah. Okay. And I think think Al is going to make a sarcastic comment, and that's where the title is going to come from.
0: Okay. Very good. Um, I was going to scrub through the next episode and try and pick a good miscellaneous prediction for us, but I forgot to do that. So uh, why don't we do... Hmm. What do you think? What do you think, Jonathan?
3: Uh... The number of times that Johnny tells a story that doesn't relate to anything
0: else. No, that's <laughs> terrible. Um, that's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, do better than that. Do better than that, Jonathan. Come on. What about uh, the
1: number of times
3: that somebody says something stupid?
0: That's so you know, vague.
3: What <laughs> about, about the number of times that Dan complains that he's not going to Cheyenne?
0: Oh, boy. Jonathan, you are no help. <laughs> <laughs> number of blinks you see people doing. like my- uh, Jesus Christ. Okay, we're going to do, <laughs> we're going to do, uh, when is the, f- when's the first scene with, the first scene, pick a character, don't say Richardson.
3: Alma. Seth. Alma.
0: Alma? Seth. Hmm. Al. Al. Okay, first, first scene before Al, before we see Al. Like, or rather, uh.
3: How many minutes? How many seconds?
0: minutes before we see Al?
3: Um. It'll literally open with Al, an owl line in an establishing shot. So what would I call that? Zero seconds or
0: Zero. Okay.
3: Like he won't be in the shot, but it'll be an establishing <laughs> shot with his voice. So I don't know, does that count? Yeah.
1: Okay. And then okay. it'll and
3: then it'll cut to Al.
0: He's in the first scene.
1: Oh, that's very specific.
0: Yeah. Thirty seconds. Immediate. <laughs> Pick something else.
1: <laughs> what, Matt?
0: No, you, you, thirty seconds. You just picked zero seconds. So
1: it's Al is always like in there a lot. <laughs> what do you want me to say? <laughs> oh my stuff. goodness! Watch out! <laughs> I don't know. This is, you like you like insulted our uh,
2: <laughs>
1: thing, but then you're like, oh, let's pick the amount of minutes. Uh, that's a great one. <laughs> I don't know.
6: <laughs> <laughs> it's a stu- it's a stupid segment.
0: <laughs> don't you don't you think I regret having to do it every week? But I'm committed to it. I gotta keep doing it.
2: I see. I see now.
0: Okay. Okay. We're we're scrubbing it. We're scrubbing right, right, the whole prediction, everyone. We're starting. No. 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 We're starting over. I'm going to tell you right now that the that the episode opens during the evening, and then this and the second half is at night. Or I'm sorry, the second half is during the day.
2: Okay.
0: So what what is the the time stamp? 2 minutes of when it becomes daytime.
2: Oh, when becomes daytime? Yes. Okay.
1: 33
3: minutes.
0: Good. Okay. See, now that's a prediction I can work with.
1: 25 minutes. Hey, No. That's wait, 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 wait. 20 minutes. No.
2: Think <laughs> <could've... laughs> <laughs> about it. Oh, uh, jeez.
1: <laughs> How long is the episode?
0: Let's see here. The episode length is 49 minutes.
1: 40 minutes. Okay. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Again, stupid segment. It's not that important. Spending <laughs> 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 too much time on this.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Carol, 20 minutes.
0: Perfect. All right. Well, <laughs> well that was painful. Um <laughs> <laughs> I aim to
1: make oh. them as painful as possible for the rest
2: of the season.
0: Thanks. <laughs> oh,
1: so, so painful. Now does the season end mel when the uh when the series ends before we start the next I phase more I promise. Once okay.
2: the series
1: ends. I, be I I I I don't think that's really going to happen, but okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: Well, that was a trial. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as always, you can join us at uh, uh, on the Facebook group. You can find us on the Facebook group. Just go on Facebook.com, search for Hooplecast. You'll find our group. You'll have to apply to join, but I always uh, accept your request, and we're going to be playing that supporting character bracket game pretty soon. So that'll be fun. So you're going to want to get in on that. Go to hoopalcast dot com to find all of the episodes and the show notes and links to discussion threads. Go on Twitter at Hoopalcast, send email to hoopalcast at gmail dot com and don't forget to leave a good review on the iTunes Store. Uh, especially if you go to the UK iTunes Store because they don't like us. Um
3: yes. they they don't like us. Uh American the American iTunes Store that hates my Twin Peaks podcast. <laughs>
0: They only hate your Twin Peaks podcast because you didn't like the David Lynch films. Yeah,
3: <laughs> well, the other some of them, not the all The, of the them. other iTunes stores were okay with us.
0: Mm. <laughs> mm. People are jackasses.
2: Yep, Jonathan, Scott,
0: thank Scott you. Free entertainment, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Jonathan, thank you for joining us this week. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Do you have any podcasts or projects you'd like to plug promote?
3: Uh, you can find me on some of the most recent episodes of Intro to X if you're willing to sit <laughs> through some of the most ponderous episodes of the ninth season. Um, I, am, I am not. <laughs> it is, I, I will say this. There are some really good episodes mixed in among some really
0: bad episodes. <laughs> oh yeah, that's uh, the X-Files in general.
3: That's bad. It, It's worse this season. It's just like uh, extreme polls this season. Um and I, I've enjoyed at least one episode that I was I was a, a guest on the podcast on.
0: But, um, uh, which one was that?
3: Uh, Lord of the Flies.
0: Mm, which one was that?
3: <laughs> the, it's uh, the episode that has um, Aaron Paul, young Jesse Pinkman. Oh, and oh it, okay. Yeah, it has him as a character. It's, you know, the early 2000s, so they were doing a jackass parody. Uh, he and his high school buddies and... I mean, it wasn't a parody, they were doing it seriously, but in the episode, one of the characters, uh, his skull collapses because he's eaten by flies, and then it turns out that one, oh. of the, uh, one of the guys in the episode
0: is a bug person. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing! Their bug-related episodes are usually pretty good.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, this one was pretty good, and, uh, then there was a terrible episode with Reyes that I should have enjoyed but didn't, so, and it had some old-timey, uh, mining prospector stuff in it, so.
0: Okay. Are you on any future episodes of IntroDex that I can find you on?
3: I will be on an episode called William later this season. Oh,
0: I'm sorry. And that I'm, sounds yeah, like a mythology episode. It,
3: it is, and actually, I, I already expect to to hate it. I'm a little disappointed, Matt, because I know you're going to be on one a little later this season, and I would really like to talk about that episode.
0: Oh, Sunshine Days.
3: No, um, Improbable.
0: Uh, improbable.
3: Okay. That, yeah, episode, for... that episode made me feel actual feelings like, multiple feelings, including rage, but,
0: um... Oh, okay. Yeah, but, uh, I, I don't even remember what that one's about. I remember the guest star. That's all mm-hmm. I remember. Yeah.
3: Yeah, the guest star was great.
0: So for Intro to X, what I do is I listen to the beginning of it when, um, they talk about what else was playing, <laughs> when when Brad recaps The Lost World and Alias, and then I listen to the 60-second plot summary and the fun facts, and then I skip the the actual, like, recap of the episode and i go toward the end toward the episode ratings and that's pretty much what i've been doing lately and one of these days i'll listen to the whole thing but yeah that's fair i mean late season x files oh boy boy oh boy um what are you guys up to project any podcasts matt Uh, i'm gonna be doing another twin peaks podcast
3: uh commentary for an episode soonish uh it'll be for the killer reveal episode and then occasionally you and I do our video games podcast in Madison Games.
0: That's true. Occasionally we do. I sent you guys an email.
2: <laughs>
3: oh yeah? We didn't read it? Uh it, it's been since the last episode. It's, okay. So uh, so it would be on an upcoming one.
6: Oh okay. Well maybe I, <laughs>
3: some, <laughs> yes, Someday maybe.
1: I will someday I will be on another episode of McKinley Cast. Um we'll see when. Mm-hmm.
0: It's looking increasingly but. likely, like we're gonna finish this show before you finish <laughs> fixing games.
1: I try, you know. I got a, I says, like, you know. I'm getting crap every week about this. Come on, guys! Listen. And everybody's like, "Yeah, yeah, okay." And then inevitably, one person was like, "Oh, but so."
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I don't know. I haven't pushed it lately. I should. I will get it We've got like I don't know how many episodes we've got left.
0: Not, not too many.
1: Not too many, but we didn't have too many at the very beginning either, so. <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Well, so. I look forward to talking with you next Sunday to discuss episode 35, The Catbird Seat. Uh, until then, uh, Jonathan, you want to take us out with a fuck you? Yeah, fuck
3: you!
1: Oh! How dare you? I know. That
0: is just incredibly rude. <laughs> oh, <Ow>. yeah. They're
1: <laughs> that so, was
3: so rude. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: know.
3: My feelings. Ow. <laughs> uh, you guys are the best. I love you guys. Uh,
2: Aww. We love you too. Uh, even <laughs>
1: though you're so rude
2: to us, we love you too. <laughs>
6: Some are sexual, some occur during periods of nervous tension. there's a mysterious third kind that no one really understands. It happens when your schlong decides to take matters into who was delicious and the cold couldn't be finer Got a weird look from the waitress when I asked her for the check I looked down and realized I was 100% erect No reason voter No reason voter I like cold stuff but not that much No reason voter Hi, welcome to the post office Thanks, I just need to mail this package No problem place it on the scale. Sure thing. Oh, oh God. I, I can't right now. Why not? I, I have to go. I have a uh, doctor's appointment at the dentist. Now things are a little awkward between my mailman and I. That was not my best lie. I was just covering up Welcome to the zoo! Great! I love the zoo! Look at all those monkeys! Actually, those technically aren't monkeys. They're macaques! Wow! Macaques really hairy. Uh... So what time does the zoo close? About 8 o'clock. Great! That gives me a chance to- Oh, God! Oh, not not now! Not in front of the children! Why have you forsaken me, Lord?! This is the laughing matter! Some kind of game I can talk away by Johnson But I can never talk away the shame It can happen anytime It can happen anywhere When the darkness monster decides to watch randomly Come up for air No reason border Oh, no reason border you ruining my life No reason brother. No reason border No reason border
0: So Jonathan, you were saying for the third time.
3: <laughs> uh in the last episode Carol uh you during the outtakes you had her say something to try and make sure you were, could hear her. Yes. She started off with tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Uh, yes. What <laughs> is it? <laughs> the this this petty petty piece piece from me. Today.
2: Today. Yeah, and I'm like,
3: oh, Carol's, uh, Carol's quoting Hamilton, and I went on with the next line. I trust you'll understand <laughs> the reference to another Scottish tragedy without me having to name the play. And then she went on to something else. <laughs> like, oh, she's she's just quoting Shakespeare. Never mind.
0: Never mind. Yeah, I'm uh.
1: just quoting. <laughs> yeah, I'm just quoting Macbeth or the Scottish play, as uh, superstitious people like to say. Yeah.
3: Superstitious actors.
1: Um. Yeah. Mostly actors. Usually, it's actors. But yes, no, I was just quoting the Scottish play. I don't, I haven't heard Hamilton. I just have heard of it. And a few clips here and there, but uh, I haven't, certainly haven't seen it. And
3: yeah, well,
1: look forward so to it.
3: I haven't seen it either since I, I'm not in New York and I don't have $2,000 to, <laughs> to spend to get a ticket. Well,
1: well, there is a lottery and all, but, you know, that, that would require going into the city and, and standing there and hoping to win over and over again, and I mm-hmm. definitely don't have the time and ability to, to spend my days that way. So, Yeah. Ridiculous.
3: Plus, you'd have to go to New York. And, Ha! <laughs> well, no! You a West Coast snob! I really am. I love I, New I, York. I, have, I I do not deny it at all. I have a, a very strong West Coast bias.
1: So where Partly where on because, the West Coast uh, are
3: you? Uh, I am in Tacoma near Seattle. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, it's a
2: beautiful area. I love that area.
1: It is, but I it also is
3: love It's also, I mean, it's also a place with lots of problems, but I like to point to New York as a place with more problems. <laughs> yeah, mostly... and,
1: and a few more people.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's mostly due to the number of my friends who over the course of years have gone out to New York for one artistic reason or another, and I I always complain to them, like, guys, the chances of all of my friends moving to New York and none of them make it are higher than any one of you making it, whereas you could just stay here and make your artistic scene in your local area where you're from stronger instead of
0: draining into New York, but... The bitterness is strong with this one. (laughs) I I would say
3: so.
5: (laughs) I would say so.
0: Uh, you know, I'm, scientists I'm say that the next major earthquake is going to happen off the Pacific coast in the ocean, and it's going to create a massive wave that's going to destroy the Pacific Northwest. So, bye, Jonathan. Jonathan. Bye-bye. Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. Get your surfboard nice ready.
3: <laughs> uh, I, Maybe I'm betting Japan please. goes first, but...
0: Oh, it's going to go at the same time. <laughs> it's going to go both directions.
1: <laughs> I would think.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anywho... Are you- are you immune to this, Matt? <laughs> aren't aren't you in San Francisco?
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's not, the wave's not going to happen here. They, they say. Oh,
1: Okay, <laughs> so you're safe for now. Yes,
0: they're saying that it's gonna that the fault is underneath the ocean and it's going to create the the tidal wave. That's what's going to destroy cities, not the actual shaking. Right. Mm. So anyway, uh, also, Will's <laughs> going to go bye bye too because Portland's going to get it. <laughs> so, shit. I don't
1: have- I love Portland. I enjoyed I enjoyed all the Pacific Northwest when I was there. I would have loved to have stayed there, <laughs> but I love New York so, too. Yeah. It's so a lovely would, uh, place,
3: Carol, and we
0: would have loved to have you. That is so nice.
1: Thank you, thank you. I I got along with most of the people there that I met. There were a couple that uh, that got on me because uh, I guess because I was from the East Coast or whatever. But I had some <laughs> fun times there.
3: Well, there's always so, a couple there- like that. <laughs> there there
1: literally was one woman that was like that but uh one of the best quotes i ever had though was in the supermarket when people wanted to carry my groceries out to the car and i i understood that it was a you know i had been in lots of other parts of the country where people do that and but it always makes me feel uncomfortable and there wasn't that many groceries so i just said you know thank you, I appreciate it, but no, I'll carry my own groceries. And the fellow said, well, you know, it, you're paying for the service when you buy groceries. It's you know, no problem. I said, I know. It's just I'm from an area where they don't do that. It just it, It's just hard for me. And they said, oh, really? Where are you from? And I said, New Jersey. And they said, oh, and you survived?
3: Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> oh, young girl. It was just, I just broke up. I was like, yeah, it's not it's not nearly as bad as you
0: think. We're <laughs> doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's called the Garden State for crying out loud.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, uh, let's get into it.
1: Matt's not here. Oh. I don't know where he went.
0: He said blah blah and I was like, "Where are you going?" Mm. I don't know. He's going. No. <laughs> He'll be back.
1: His timing is impeccable. I know. Uh. I wish they didn't have New York Comic Con on Columbus Day weekend. They used not to. And they just started, and I've, I can't go on Columbus Day weekend. Aww. So annoying! Anyway. You should write to them. Yeah, because they'll care. <laughs> they'll change you it. Nev- you me. never know. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, well, it's because it's something to do with your church, right? There's some sort of conflict. There. No. Uh, no? Not camp, my, a camp a, or something?
1: Yeah. A, a thing we go to. That, yeah.
0: Maybe every the, Columbus
1: Day weekend.
0: Maybe they can move that. They shouldn't have some. No, no
1: they shouldn't. That's been, on the
0: same weekend as Comic Con. Come on.
1: They've been doing that for thirty some odd years. Columbus Day weekend longer than the Comic Cons have been going on. Yeah, and it's a cool weekend. That's it's the one that uh, Emily likes to refer to as the Crickets weekend because when we re- I actually did record from there, um, like one of the first episodes of the Freaks and Geeks podcast and There's a Freaks kept...
0: and Geeks podcast?
1: Yeah, it's called McKinley Cast and
3: uh Really every... how often do you record?
1: <laughs> oh, we record on a semi-regular basis. Um,
3: every
1: once ev- a Yeah, once every 6 months or <laughs> year or so. Oh, yes. Um <laughs> <annual>. <laughs> Yeah, man, Uh, we were it's it's amazing. You should see our messages back and forth when we're trying to schedule recording. It's like, yeah, I won't be available for the next, you know, seven weeks because of this or that. And it's like, really, guys, come on. But oh, well, Um, yeah, so we actually recorded and you can hear the crickets in the background because the only place we could find to record and a party going on the back. The only place we could find to record was um, outside on the porch. So was, <laughs> <laughs> So the crick it was crickets and
0: We've learned that Carol and can podcast from pretty much anywhere. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, this is true. I am definitely not the reason why a podcast will not go through. I will I'll find a way to, to uh record. You're shooting at my women, meaning, you know, an Alma is kind of one of his clan at this point and uh and my Chinese guy. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes a different sort of a thing. It's like only I can do things to my people. Other, you aren't allowed to do things to my people.
0: Hey, Jonathan, try muting your microphone for a sec. <laughs> no more, no more clicking.
3: No more clicking. Do, are you wearing a headset? Yeah, but I'm not moving around that much. Can you? you is it happening now? No. no.
2: Are you typing?
3: No. Hang on, let me move around a little. You, do you hear it now?
2: Yes. Yeah.
3: Alright, it's just whenever I move. Hang on, I'll stop moving.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If you have to move, just do me a favor and put yourself on mute so I don't have to spend a lot of time taking out little clicks and stuff out of the podcast. Because that's what I do. I'm very OCD about taking little noises out of it.
3: Can you put yourself into a self-induced paralyzation? (laughs) Only my mouth moves.
1: I'm so curious as to what you've got on you that is making all those clicks.
3: I, I don't know. I picked up my laptop and uh, walked around a little bit with it as I was doing something else. So maybe, okay. Yes.
0: Okay. okay, that'll do it. Yeah. You, are, you are a menace. <laughs> 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 You're worse than Hearst. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. He was on this podcast. He, he was a well-behaved guest. Is that <laughs> the
1: new worse than Hitler? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Man.
1: I don't have a problem with birds. I took an ornithology class and I've done birding up and down the Oregon coast and, and, uh, birding you know, around the country and stuff. I don't have problems with birds. Just I've heard, send heard your that, letters into Matt. I've heard that birders are considered to be one of the, uh, hobbies that are the creepiest hobbies. Like people have, they've, uh, taken a poll and uh, amongst clowns, clowning. <laughs> really? Yeah, amongst clowning, and there was another one I can't remember. But taxidermy.
0: Birding,
1: yeah, taxidermy. Birding is a one of the like creepiest hobbies that someone
3: can.
0: It's because is, you're, walking border- it's border- yeah. so you're walking around with binoculars. Yeah, you're walking around binoculars. Yeah, weirdo. So that's, the,
3: that's the part that makes sense to me. <laughs> border-
0: Carrying binoculars <laughs> and peering into places. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I okay. Tangent, and this can go in the outtakes. This is really embarrassing. But I have to tell you, I'll tell you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so after work this week, I I drive to PetSmart to get some food for my new cat. Carol, I don't know if you know know this, but now I have a cat.
1: I, I heard a little okay. bit while my, my thing was muted.
0: So I get the cat food, and I leave the PetSmart, and I'm driving back home home now because i have and i have to go back home i have to drive past my work again so as i'm driving past my work i see a guy walking on the side of the street he's walking on the sidewalk and it's like wait a minute i know that guy he works in for my company it's kind of new i don't really um talk to him but i see him around and normally he rides his motorcycle to work because i see him when i'm in the parking garage i see him taking his helmet off and whatever so i wonder why is he walking on the side of the road so I decided to follow him. <laughs> 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 I want to know where this guy's going to go. And maybe it's because I've been watching like all of the last season of The Americans and now I think I'm like a spy. So I want to follow him. So I spent about an hour just trailing. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> So I'm like driving behind him, like really slowly. I'm pulling over the side of the road. I'm letting traffic go like past me. I'm driving. I drive past <laughs> him, but then I stop and I turn around and I go back to see like where he's going. Like I was like, I,
2: I, creepy. Did you freak the guy
3: out entirely? Well, no.
0: I, I. Well, that was part of it. I wanted to see how good of a spy I was if I would get <laughs> ca- caught or not.
3: That reminds me of uh, the actor who plays Dexter before he got, or before he started the part. He like practiced just. He would pick a random person and follow them and stalk them, and just, he's like, it's surprisingly easy to not be noticed.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I recommend trying it at least once.
1: <laughs> Interesting.
0: So, yeah, he was on foot and I was in my car, and it was also rush hour, so, you know, it was after work. But I was able to, uh, Track him a good. Uh, I want to say it was about an hour.
1: <laughs> where did he? Where was he going? Was um,
0: he ended up going. I kept expecting him to go into one of the apartment complexes, but he ended up going to the BART station. So it's a BART station. It is a uh, Bay Area Rapid Transit. It is a uh, like our equivalent of a subway system. Okay, basically. Cool. And after that, I was like, "Well, I'm not getting out of my car and following him. <laughs> like, I'm not. I, if I had, if I had." Like Philip does on the Americans, if I had a collection of wigs and disguises, you know, maybe. But you're a terrible spy. You
3: should have done it, Matt. You could have gone in for the kill.
0: To what end? (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to know not not so much where he was going, but how long could I find him? Could I keep up with him without being obvious? So I tried to stay back, like as far as I could, and then sort of catch up to him or predict which way he was going to go.
3: You just corner him alone in some alley somewhere, and then you're like, gotcha, and then you let him go, and then you leave. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and because I have a dash cam, I happen to get the whole thing on video. I'm just saying. <laughs> until
3: oh my I god. T- god! It gets creep- It gets creepier. You thought that was
0: creepy? It gets creepier. <laughs>
2: it gets worse and worse. Yeah, really.
0: <laughs> I didn't remember that until uh, after after the time. <laughs>